morning. It is time to skip the BS. Time for Undisputed. Time to talk Super Bowl opening night as we got to see how the Chiefs and the 49ers handled all those crazy media questions. Of course, Patrick Mahomes was asked about catching and passing Tom Brady and becoming the greatest quarterback of all times. And here is what Mahomes had to say to that. I mean, I'm not even close to halfway, so I haven't put a lot of thought into it. I mean, your goal is to be the best player that you can be. Um, and uh, I know I'm blessed to be around a lot of great players around me. Um, and so right now, it's doing whatever I can to beat a great 49ers team and trying to get that third ring. And then if you ask me that question in like 15 years, and I'll see if I can get close to seven. But seven seems like a long ways away still. So Mahomes is saying all the right things, taking the high road, the humble road, maybe even the realistic road. But many others are already making the GOAT case for Patrick Mahomes. Keyshawn, can you see Mahomes passing Brady to become the GOAT? Ooh, Skip. I mean, he's right. He's not even halfway. Yeah. Stop lying to me, Pat. You're talking about you ain't even thinking about it. Of course you're thinking about it because it's out there in the universe. That's all we're talking about now yeah. is that at some point in time, can you or can you not? Catch up to Patrick Mahomes. Look, seven Super Bowls are tough, right, Skip? I keep always saying people act like Super Bowls are a bowl of M&Ms. You just grab them, just grab them as many as you want, and you keep it moving. It's, that's not the case. To win one Super Bowl is hard as hell, as you know. You've covered enough of them. And, and in this situation, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is one step closer to getting to seven. But seven probably, he probably won't accomplish seven. Just probably won't. I, I'm looking at more like... The four number, maybe, maybe the five number, including this year. Yep. It's just hard to get to a Super Bowl. There are many, many great players that have come in the National Football League that have gone on to put gold jackets on, have never sniffed the Super Bowl. Dan Marino played in the Super Bowl his second year, never seen it again. So it's just, it's, it's a hard thing to process. Now, in the end, is Andy Reid still going to be around? What happens to Kelsey? Can they find another sort of kind of weapon like a Kelsey? Does Rasheed Rice continue to elevate his game? Do the other guys, MVS and all those guys, start to step up? Uh, could, could Pacheco obviously take another step? Is the defense, is Spags uh, going to get a job next year as a new, another head coach opportunity? Like, you got to think about all the things that align themselves with that GOAT status and greatness. Tom Brady had one coach for the most part his entire career, right? He had basically the same system for his entire career, whether he created it, Josh McDaniels, Charlie Weiss, whoever. But, but when you're in those situations, you can thrive. The moment that they start to crack a little bit, which means that people start to go in different directions because their careers evolve, you just never know what might derail the situation. But I think if he got to four, he certainly going, is going to be in that conversation, Richard. Mm. No question. Um, you know, obviously, he's on his way. He's been in the league six years, been to six AFC championships, been to four Super Bowls. So, I mean, there's nothing. It may not be easy for everybody else. For everybody else, you might be right, Key, where you're like, man, it, it's, it's hard to get back to the Super Bowl. It just does not seem hard for this kid. I mean, the circumstances keep changing. The personnel keeps changing. The defenses change. And he keeps getting there. And you look and say, hey, he can't do it without Tyreek. Then he gets there without Tyreek. But he can't win it without Tyreek. Then he wins it without Tyreek. And he gets there again without Tyreek. Uh, and 
I, I just don't know what it is they're going to be able to do to stop him. If the defense that he gets keeps getting better, they're still young. They do a good job of paying the right people, not paying the wrong people, uh, refreshing the, the cupboards when they go bare. You know, they had Tyron Matthew. Now they got Justin Reed in the secondary. Uh, they keep, you know, they lost they lost their great corner in Charvarius Ward. Then they got another great corner in Sneed. You know, and they always wearing these random numbers, 38, 35. <laughs> and then you, it's hard to even, like, look at him and be like, man, they, he's strapping. I feel like if Sneed was wearing, like, 24 or something, he would have been an all-pro this year. But that's a story for a different day. Mm. But I, I do think that uh, he's going to continue to be in the conversation. I don't know about eclipsing him because there's so much pageantry there. There's so much that Brady did during a time. He went against some really phenomenal defenses, some historic defenses, some historic teams, some historic rivalries. And Patrick Mahomes just doesn't have a rival like that in his time. You know, you, you, we, we keep putting rivals in there for him, but they don't have anything accomplished. Like Tom had Peyton. You know, you got Aaron. You got, you got all these guys that, have, that are getting MVPs and that are, that are winning Super Bowls. Well, Aaron won one, Peyton won two. You know, guys that 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 you could say, hey, OK, these are his rivals in these situations. But Patrick, there's nobody else winning. it. There's no, nobody else. There's Patrick has won it. And Burrow hasn't won it. Uh, Josh Allen hasn't won it. Lamar hasn't won it. So it, it's hard to, like, put him in there right now until, you know, we see how the story plays out. Mm. All right. My turn. This whole conversation for me just gets silly. And yet, maybe I should disqualify myself. I'm, I'm a Brady fan. I always have been. I do not know him personally, so it's not a personal connection whatsoever. I'm just looking at the facts and the body of work. And to me, it almost smacks of that this question keeps rearing its head. It's, it's like the Brady hate is still alive and well or hell. That Brady jealousy, that Brady resentment. It's the whole Internet age of, Who's got next? Forget about the past. It's only about the present. We're all prisoners of this moment. And this moment belongs to Patrick Mahomes, as Richard so eloquently stated. He just keeps getting there. By hook or crook, he just gets there. He doesn't have time. He gets there. And I give you all the above. But if we start looking hard at bodies of work so far, and Patrick's already got a notable one, I say that... In 10 Super Bowls that Tom Brady played, not one time did he play remotely as poorly as Patrick played, ironically, against Brady in Patrick's second Super Bowl when Patrick just had a bad game. He just stunk in that game. You can't show me one of Tom's 10 Super Bowls in which he stunk like that, played nearly that poorly. And that was a 31-9 to loss. Obviously, it was at Tampa, so Tom got to play it on his home field. But it was still 31 to 9. It wasn't even close. And if you look hard at Brady's accomplishments in his 10, he actually played well enough to win all 10 of his Super Bowls. I can make the case because in the first Eli Super Bowl, he did his part, and then Belichick's defense couldn't stop Eli from going 75 yards for a touchdown within the, the final two minutes of that one. And if, if you recall the second Eagles Super Bowl, Tom threw for an all-time playoff record 505 yards and hung 33 on a top-five defense and lost 41-33 to 33 in part because Belichick mysteriously 
inexplicably bench Malcolm Butler in that game. I still can't get it through my psyche. But but I believe that Bill cost Tom those two Super Bowls. And then the other one, the one that would be in question, was the second Eli Super Bowl in which we came down to one throw late in the game that if it's caught, if it's completed, we're having a different conversation because I think they're going to go win the game at this point. If we could see it, it's the Wes Welker play. It wasn't a great throw, but but it was a catchable throw. If you get two hands on the ball and you're a receiver of that caliber, Keyshawn, is it fair to say you should catch the football? If you get both hands on the football, does Keyshawn catch that football? Yes. Are you built like Wes Welker? No, you're not. You're, you know, what's Wes? Like five, nine, or ten, and you're yeah, that's six, a, that's four. A, that's a, a very difficult catch for Wes Welker. Yeah. Tom put it in an area where only his guy could catch it, but, yeah. you know, that it, look, it's not Tom's fault. It's not Welker's fault. The play just, just didn't happen. Okay, I give you that. And yeah, but go, what, go ahead, what I'll Richard. say, uh, yeah, what I'll say to combat that, Skip, and, and it, the point I would assume Keyshawn would make is that Bill also got him a couple. You know, there was the ten-three Rams game where his offense scored ten points, <laughs> yeah. and and yeah, I don't hear you mention that, but that's a win for him. Okay, that's a ring who, for him. But he on. only scored ten points in the game. Let he, I was going to let Skip just finish, Richard. Okay, but but who had the touchdown okay, drive good. in the fourth quarter to win the game? Who who threw? A there was great only one touchdown to drive in the game, the, Skip. Okay. There's, so you, you again one touchdown drive. So you keep saying in these numbers, you could talk about five hundred in a loss, but you can't touch talk about one touchdown scored in a whole game in a win. And then you talk about okay. the Malcolm Butler interception. You talk about there's a number of times where they got things done that it wasn't necessarily Tom's fault that they won, but he gets credit just okay. like as he deserves deservedly. So. Time out. Against the Legion of Boom, Tom Brady in the fourth quarter threw for 124 yards and two touchdowns, and he didn't and, get it done? And, and they got an interception at the one-yard line, or he would have lost that game, Skip. So, okay. that's, so again, if you, could, you could put it both ways, give him credit where it's due, but don't sit there and try to give him credit for, for things that didn't happen. Oh, he should have won this Super Bowl. He should have won. He won the ones he was supposed to win. He lost the ones he was supposed to lose. But don't Supposed try to, to take lose away to what the Patrick backup is quarterback doing. of the Philadelphia Eagles when you throw for 505 and put up 33, and that's Brady's Skip, fault. Nobody what cares about what, you know what, what you do in a loss. You know what happens, <sighs> though, Skip, in situations. What? You know what happens in, in situations where backup quarterbacks or backup players, they empty this, the, the kitchen sink. They just empty it out on you, and they come with Philly Philly and plays like that that you're may, you may never have seen them run before, and all of a sudden it catches you by surprise. Look, I understand what you're saying. Brady does get some credit. But you can't just continue to disrespect Bill Belichick as if he was just a guy standing on the sidelines with a headset on. I, I didn't say that, but he did cost Tom two of them. And you didn't make... Whatever okay, case, so do I, you do you think the, the the first victory of the the Super Bowl against the Los Angeles Rams, yeah. not the second one? Yeah, that's all time. It had nothing to do with Willie McGinnis and them and that defense being stout at a time when they needed to. I have given with the greatest you that show one on from day one. It was a masterpiece of a defensive game plan against the greatest show on turf. Not but once, yeah. Skip, but twice. But when? What do you mean twice? The second greatest show on turf, not the first greatest show on turf. But the second, later on, the one that Richard just referred to, the one that, that what was the score, 9-3 to three or whatever it was? It was 10-3. to 10-3. That, that, yeah. that defensive design yeah. 
was incredible. Yeah, it was 13 to 3. 13 yeah. to 3. This yeah. was the high-flying, mm -hmm. mighty Los Angeles Sean McVay. If I stand next to him, it head was coach, I'm getting a job. Jared Goff. It was Jared Goff. Okay, but I, but I had to make Jared Goff into a pumpkin. You can't skip, but go ahead. Man, okay, I'll let you, but, I'll let you go was, ahead. But, Wade, but, but, Wade Phillips had Tom's number his whole career. That was Wade so Phillips' So now it's defense. Wade Phillips. Well, it was. He had to go back so and look Wade, at what happened at Denver. So, go back and look at what so happened. It's it's Jared Goff, but then you lose to Nick Foles. You know, Skip, you can make whatever case you want. You well, can Tom make whatever didn't excuse lose to you Nick want. Foles. Tom, Tom, Tom didn't Tom lose. Tom 100% lost to Nick Foles. He 100% did. That's what it looks like. Was he the starting quarterback in the game? Skip. How can he do anymore? How could he do any more? Seriously. So how could he do any less when his team scores 13 points against the Rams? I mean, you could you could barely do any less, but he gets the win. And you don't sit there and say, well, Tom gets the win for 13 points? No, you don't. You just he, say, he hey, had the you won a Super Bowl. Congratulations. In the fourth quarter. He, he had one on touchdown drive in the entire. Is one of Tom's best throws of his career. Am I touchdown right? Touchdown drive the entire game. But But to this point, Skip, this is what I'll say. Mahomes has been in the league six years. He has two MVPs. If you compare it to Brady's six, first six years, he didn't have any MVPs. He had oh, yeah. three Super Bowls. Yeah. He won three. He, Mahomes went been to four. He has two. Yeah. He has two Super Bowl MVPs. He has two regular season MVPs. The resume that he has right now is stacking favorably in 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 Mahomes's corner. Okay, which is time fine. out. You know, it's so, a long story. It's, so it's, I've seen Patrick win two Super Bowls, and I give you that, except in the first one, he did everything in his power to give it back to you San Francisco. You don't get to say except. You don't get to say except. You don't get to say except. He threw a late third quarter interception. He threw an early Skip. fourth quarter interception. It's 20 Skip. to 10 it does not San Francisco. Matter. It does, it does matter. Not he matter. was so It doesn't because he won oh. the game. Oh. It do, he won the game and he won the okay. MVP of the game and he yeah. won the MVP two two times. Skip. Yeah. And so when you say these things to try to diminish it, it I'm almost sounds like I'm you're hating. You, I'm spitting because facts back at you. In the game last year, you, you, he threw for a grand total of 182 yards against a torchable defense that fell completely apart this year. And he needed and a scoop and score by his defense, a defensive touchdown. And he needed but Kadarius. To, let me finish. He needed Kadarius Tony to go 65 yards in the middle of the fourth quarter with a punt down to the five yard line to give him a cheap, easy touchdown to win that game. I'm sorry, 182 but, but against Philadelphia. But skip. Wow. You, you're not, they were you're the not, number two pass defense in the league at the time. Oh, they were whatever. horrible. But skip, Dak had just thrown for 350 against them. I, I Four like, touchdowns. Skip, I, I like thought Tom Dak Brady was terrible. Too. I yeah. thought Dak was terrible. Yeah. Skip, I like Tom Brady, too. Yeah. I like Tom Brady, too, always. Yeah. Been knowing Tom Brady since he yeah. entered into the league. Yeah. But here's what I would say. You just tried to discredit that man's accomplishments in the Super Bowl. Because, I'm, I'm just telling you the truth. Well, uh, you, he, you, he hasn't had a spectacular it, it, Super Bowl yet. He hasn't had a signature. Here's, here's we what, say, whoa, look at that. Here's what I'm going to say. That's well, he got your, signature MVPs from it. Mm. That's your truth. That's your facts. It's, it's, now, it, when it I, when, now, now, if I want to break down Tom Brady's Super Bowl in Tampa, okay, and look at his pedestrian numbers, pedestrian numbers, 
for Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And I want to say the reason he won that Super Bowl mm -hmm. is because of Todd Bowles in that defense. Yeah. That a blown coverage with Scotty Miller scores a touchdown. Like, if I want to just do all of that well, sort you, of stuff, you're you can. welcome to. Don't do that, though, no. because it's right. not fair. Okay. A win so, is a win is a win, no matter how you got it. So here's the ultimate irony of this. When we do the Jordan-LeBron debate, we're always at a loss because we don't know how it would have stacked up for Jordan to actually have played against LeBron James. But we did get to see twice in big playoff games Brady versus Mahomes. Yes. And at Mahomes' house yes. at Arrowhead in overtime, Brady outdueled him because he converted yeah. three straight third and tens to win the game. He, he, he outdueled him. No question yeah, about it. Okay. Patrick and, Mahomes goes to the Super Bowl if D4 toe isn't on the line. Okay. So we can play that okay. game. I know, but Brady did outduel him quarterback to quarterback. And, and he's in his second year as a player okay. in the National Football League where Brady's like in his 18th year. All right. And yet in the Super Bowl, they go head to head and Patrick just stinks. And Brady didn't have a great game, but he had a way better game than Patrick did. And, and, and Patrick defense. Brady had a better defense. Patrick yeah. Mahomes had me and you trying to block for him. Mm. Like, come on, though. Skip. Yeah. The but, conversation but, but isn't about statistics, out, man. The conversation what, is about. What I'm trying to figure out, I'm I'm a total stats guy, Key. You know me. I, 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 I'll take numbers, 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 numbers. But at the end of the day, in this situation, Skip, we're talking about a kid in his first six years, got two yeah. MVPs, two Super Bowl MVPs, two Super Bowl wins, mm. been to the Super Bowl four times, is currently in the Super Bowl, so we yeah. don't know what he's going to do in this situation. I'm mm. hoping he takes an L. Um, but what, what, what you're saying right now doesn't really compute. The plays that you hate on, like the play you're seeing right here in the Super Bowl where he completes a third and 15 pass, and you're like, he's off his back foot, and he's floating away, and he just throws punt. up a floater. Yeah. And, and completes it. Like it. No look and completes it. I, it. I, I hear you, but some of the greatest plays in the history of the game look like that. They're, it look like prayers, look like miracles. That's what makes them great plays. And that's what changes trajectories of, of franchises and programs. And that's why he got the MVP of the game. Skip, okay. so you can say what you want to say to try to revision, revise history, <laughs> but the revising. history is what it is. I, I'm, I'm, I, clearly, because you can't. I'm holding it. But, I'm trying to remind everybody that in 10 Super Bowls, Tom Brady averaged 304 yards passing in 10. Patrick Mahomes has yet to throw for 300 in any Super Bowl. He averages 246 for three to, Super Skip. Bowls. Okay, well, I'm just showing what, you what quarterback to quarterback. If we're talking about who's better, man, I'll take Brady all day and all night because in his first six gonna, Super Bowls in New England, he had game-winning drives in the fourth quarter overtime every time. He threw for 124 against you guys. He threw for 246 rings. against Atlanta just in the fourth All quarter in overtime. It's impossibly great. I need to see one of those from Patrick. Just show me one. I just need one. All he he's going to show you is the rings, Yeah. yeah. He, he doesn't have to. He he's going to show you the rings, and, and that's well, all they're going to remember. He, he had to against Tom head-to-head, -head and he couldn't, didn't. He was out no. there with a half a team. Oh, yeah, half a team. On, man, Brady man. had half an offensive line half the time. Man, I, yeah. I, I, you, you, look, the conversation is about could he catch him as the greatest of all time. I don't know what that is because some people would argue that Montana's the greatest of all time. Mm. Four Super Bowls, no interception. Some people would argue that, depending sure. on who no. you're having a conversation with. Mm -hmm. Some people has already, as you mentioned, opening up the show, have already decided that they Patrick Mahomes have. is going right. to be the greatest of all time. Right. And some people say Brady is the greatest of all time. Okay. 
And, and yet all I heard for years and years was, no, it's, it's Belichick, it's Belichick, it's Belichick. And then Brady gets dumped in New England, goes to Tampa Bay where they were seven and nine the year before, and in a pandemic year, turns them completely around into a Super Bowl champion. And Bill, over the last four years, goes 29 and 38 in New England. So it wasn't all Bill. I, who, I don't, whoever okay. said it was all Bill? No Everybody ever did. That's oh, all I don't know what the hell okay. they talking about, Skip. Because nobody ever said Brady, it was all Bill. I heard it was 75% okay, Bill. Okay, well, you, you, you hearing it from the wrong oh, people that know what the hell they talking about. Okay. Yeah. If they they oh, play oh, equally together. Sat in your chair have said it's I have nothing to do with the other people that I sat in this chair. But I'm just I'm telling, just telling you, I'm telling you, it's equal share mm. on both the win and the loss column. Yeah. The man himself, Tom Brady, would tell you. Okay? Not only that, he had help on the defensive side. You know, there were Hall of Famers and borderline Hall of Famers that played with him. Yep. Uh, that, that wasn't yep. on his side of the ball. How did they become that? They became Hall of Famer, borderline Hall of Famers, because they dominated when they needed to. Mm. Willie McGinnis, all-time sack leader in the postseason, for a reason. Mm -hmm. For a reason. Yeah. So you got to give everybody equal share. I, I do. You got to, man. I think Chris Jones is Are really we? good. I give him full credit for what he brings to that defense. You he, got to. I'm not, saying this, I'm not saying it's all uh, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Nor would I say it's all Tom Brady. Andy Reid, man, big red. He's calling the plays and he's designing things yep. to help Patrick Mahomes get open, uh, uh, Kelsey get open so they can catch the balls, and Rasheed Rice be able to do what he needs to do in yep. his first Super Bowl. But you want to discredit the head coach that won six Super Bowls and been to nine of them that discovered Tom Brady, made a very, very shrewd executive decision to start a guy over a guy they just gave $100 million to. Mm -hmm. But he gets no credit. He gets nothing. Mm. He's just a guy with a uniform on on the sideline with a headset. Mm. With a hoodie on? A hoodie. No. His uniform. Sweater, Sweater on. Oh. Sweater. Well, the NFL world just lined up to sign him after he got fired at New England. But that's a whole other conversation Man, not, for another day. <laughs> All right. Up next, we got to talk about last night. More specifically, you know, to me, the Chiefs actually seem to, are you ready for this? They seem to love talking about Taylor Swift. No resentment. No, they just babble about when it comes to travel we all know that feeling of wanting to escape to our happy place whether it's hitting the beach the ski slopes or just kicking it with your crew in a tropical paradise and priceline wants you to get there and be very happy with a happy price so you never have to miss a trip let me tell you, Priceline has got your back to make it all happen. My happy place is Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. Picture this, crystal clear waters, golden sands, and sun shining down on you like it's your personal spotlight. That's right, Cabo is my ultimate happy place. And you know what makes it even better? Priceline's VIP family feature. You heard it from me, that's right. VIP treatment for you and your squad. Imagine being with your crew. Soaking up the sun and living your best life. And while scoring deals up to five times faster, it's like scoring a game-winning touchdown on vacation. Now, who am I taking with me to Cabo? To that epic trip, that adventure? My boys, my ride or dies, my crew. Ones who've been there through thick and thin from the beginning to the end. I'm not taking any kids, no kids. 
just me and the boys living it up. So what are you waiting for? Download the Priceline app today and save up to 60% off select hotels and go to your favorite happy price with Priceline. Make some memories that'll last a lifetime. Cabo ain't ready for me or us, but we're ready for Cabo. Thanks to Priceline, the real MVP of travel. It was Super Bowl opening night last night in Vegas. Both teams on stage getting interviewed, sometimes even interviewed together. Of course, Travis Kelsey was asked repeatedly about Taylor Swift, as was Mahomes and Andy Reid and many of the Chiefs players. My biggest takeaway was that none of the Chiefs got defensive or at all resentful of these relentless questions about Taylor Swift. In fact, they all seem to welcome the questions. They all gush positivity about her. They seem completely comfortable talking about her and her relationship with Travis Kelsey. And here's just a little of what Kelsey himself had to say about his girlfriend. She's unbelievable. She's uh, she's rewriting the history books herself. Uh, I told her I'll have to hold up my end of the bargain and come home with some hardware, too. Okay. My other takeaway was the Chiefs have embraced the underdog role. Of course, they're betting underdogs for a third straight playoff game. They're now two-and-a-half-point underdogs in the Super Bowl. And Mahomes, in particular, sounded like he relishes that role. So, Keyshawn, what were your biggest takeaways from the night? I, I think when you – it was it was a bunch of stuff, though, right? You you got uh, – it, it was a whole bunch of stuff. It was a whole bunch of – yeah. you got Tony yeah. talking about he's the number you one did. wide receiver. Yep. You got Ward from San Francisco saying it's better in San Francisco than it was in Kansas City, despite winning a Super Bowl with the Kansas <laughs> City Chiefs and not winning one with the San Francisco 49ers as of yet. Yep. But in all in all – I, I like the the whole, let's stay on the Taylor Swift, right? All I right. just like the fact that they are embracing her. Everybody seems to not be jealous of Travis Kelsey no. and, and her's relationship. And she's going to suck up a lot of the light that comes yeah. with her being in the stadium from the team. You know, as soon as something happens positive, the television cameras pan to her and the players are seem to embrace that. They don't have a problem with it, mm -hmm. but that's showing the respect out of the leader. So, so quick question. If, if you had been a chief or let's say you were a Jet and the same situation sort of occurred, at some point... No, I wouldn't be would, the one you, dating Taylor I know, but would you get <laughs> resentful of the questions? Because after a while, you're like, oh, no, not, a, not another one. No, no, because I've been around players that have dated celebrities, celebrities. along the way. Yep. And it's not as big as Taylor Swift, but you still got questions about what do you think about this person? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It's not my business, so I really wouldn't no. care as long as they're taking care of their business like he's doing with his 11 for 11 <laughs> against the Baltimore Ravens. Obviously, yep. you, you mentioned earlier in the season, would it become a distraction yep. to the team yep. as the, this thing continued to evolve? No. Nope. And clearly it did not become a distraction because they're playing – in Las Vegas in the Super Bowl right yeah. now. So yeah. there's no, there's no, you know, jealousy there. I just like the fact that they have uh, basically accepted her as part of, and her Swifties as part of they the have. Kansas City Chiefs kingdom. I, I think that's pretty yeah. cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's fun. You know, it's part of team sports, Skip. You know, winning cures everything. Yeah, I think teams <laughs> embrace yeah. the good everything about one another, especially in situations where you're going to the Super Bowl. So I'm sure in the locker room, guys are excited. It's fun. You know, it may be, you know, they may pick fun at Travis a little bit, 
in a loving way, but Maybe. it's it's part of them. It's part of what they got to deal with, and, and there's no jealousy. I think it's weird, you know, the amount of, of, of negativity this this gets, you know, because it's not that big a deal. You know, it's fun. It's fun for the league. It's fun. It's a fun moment in time. It's a fun moment for, for Travis, and, and obviously Taylor, she's trying to support. She has a busy schedule. She's trying to be a part uh, of her boyfriend's life. I don't I don't see the big deal about why it should be negative in any respect. I think it's weird. Anybody that sees it that way, you know, maybe they don't have girlfriends or they don't have supportive partners. And maybe that says more wow. about them than it does about Travis or Taylor. But I, I, I think it's good. I think I, I like how the Kansas City Chiefs are handling it. I like how the San Francisco 49ers are handling it. I like how the NFL is handling it. Yeah, because they're is, being all positive about it. They they are. It, it's, it's also possible that by, you know, they've got an interview session Wednesday and Thursday for an hour and an hour. It's possible by late Thursday's interview session, they'll be like, just give us a little break here. Like we've we've answered that question 34 times already this week. That That can annoy you after a while. I've seen that happen with other circumstances similar to this yeah it, right? it, it it could annoy you if it's the same question yeah but if you phrase that question differently you get a different answer you, you understand what i'm saying now i don't even know what the questions were because they kept as you said they kept panning from his interview to somebody else yeah. and they come back later on but if is there a question of is there marriage in the future oh, that question may be different yeah. they may have not asked that question last oh. night on Thursday, somebody may ask the teammate, can you, can you see them ever being married? So it's a different question. But by the time they get the kickoff, all those questions should be answered. Mm. So you brought up Kadarius Tony, and this was maybe a flashpoint of the night, interviewed live on NFL Network by Michael Robinson, who was Richard's former teammate, obviously, in Seattle. And he did a great job. He did a great job. He did a great job all night, by the way, but this was a tricky, tough one, and he had to kind of ease into it with Kadarius, like, why did you blast the Chiefs exactly? And I, I don't even want to try to tell you exactly how Kadarius answered it. It was all over the map. It was a little convoluted. It was definitely confusing. I think he said that he was responding to Giants fans about his time with the Giants. And then he said, I got distracted and interrupted and I didn't finish. And then I went back and it. it Clearly, he didn't take PR know. 101. I don't know. That, that's for yeah. sure. I don't know. He didn't. He, yeah. You could just tell. He barely took rules 101. You <laughs> yeah, know, but, but you, could just, you could tell well, that, that, was a, that, yeah. that that was a shock to his system. So when you start grabbing at straws, I'm not saying that the man is lying, that he, he wasn't talking about Giant fans yeah. or, because his, his time with the Giants didn't, didn't end well. No, no. But let's face it, the Giants, that was two years ago. He has now been on the Chiefs two years in a row, two Super Bowls. So that, that's so long ago. Why are you still talking about the Giants or communicating with Giant right. fans if that's the case? We all could assume, at least I'm going to assume, that he was certainly talking about the Kansas City Chiefs, especially after everything has unfolded the way it has over the last several weeks of the season, where he was inactive and some bad things uh, happened in terms of his on-play uh, ability over yeah. those last couple games. So I I'm certainly thinking he's talking about the Kansas City Chiefs and not the Giants. Right. And, and obviously, no question. Yeah, no he, question. He, he was indicating on, it was like a IG Live, I think, that he was not injured, that the Chiefs were fabricating the fact that he was injured just to 
And, and yet we talked about it here on the show. And I said, well, maybe they're just trying to give him a break, you know, give him a way out of this because he did get demoted he, because he dropped a couple of balls. He tipped a couple into interceptions. So where is he now? What, Keyshawn, what's your gut feeling? Where, where does he stand with this team? Can you see him playing in the Super Bowl? He's active. Yep, he's definitely active. He, he's, he's active. Yeah. So I, I think they, could, they, they may still play him, you know, because sometimes, a, a, first of all, Andy Reid has so much respect that a cooling off period can make things a lot easier for you. And they certainly could utilize him in some of his special, unique skill set in this game, as you mentioned, uh, punt return, he for did. instance, or, or some fly sweeps or screens and yep. things that he's capable of doing. They certainly could utilize him in that capacity. So. I expect for him to play how much he plays. I have no idea. But I expect for him to see some tick. Yeah. All right. Now to the final theme that I brought up, which is Patrick Mahomes as an underdog. Again, they're now two-and-a-half-point dogs to the 49ers. How dangerous is he in that role? Because I think he eats this up because he's never really been able to play this role before. And this will be the third straight game, obviously, at Buffalo, at Baltimore, and now Super Bowl 49ers, in which they have not been favored. What do you think, Keyshawn? I mean, I think I, go, Richard, I think yeah. he'll be fine. Yeah. I, I think, I, I think he'll, he'll play like he always plays in Super Bowls. He, he plays well. He executes down the stretch. He executes throughout the game. Um, you know, at times he turns the ball over, so there'll, there'll be opportunities there. But I don't think, you know, I, I think he's embraced the role thus far because people said he couldn't win on the road, and he proved he could win on the road. He could win an AFC championship on the road because he hadn't done so in his career. And so <clears throat> I'm sure he embraces it, but I don't know. This game feels more even than, than underdog to me, but uh, the, the, the Vegas numbers say he's an underdog. Uh, I'm sure the Kansas City Chiefs are embracing that in their locker room. And uh, we'll see how it plays out Sunday. Yeah, I just think he gets more and more dangerous the more you tell him he can't, that he, he's the dog in this game. You do realize yeah. he was the underdog last year Super Bowl as well. He was the underdog he, they were, last year. They were slight underdogs. They were underdogs. Yep. Underdogs, yep. slight, one point, yep. half a point. They were yep. underdogs, right? And most of the underdog stuff, the favorites, it's about money in Vegas. It's not... Is he a better quarterback than Brock Purdy? Is, is, is Kelsey better than Kittle? It, it's not about that. It's the money. So as players, if you sit up and you pay attention to the line before you take the field, you feel like you don't have a chance at all. You will, you will be demoralized if you look at, oh, God, we're seven-point underdogs. Yeah. Even though you know better as a player. And I'm sure Patrick Mahomes knows better as a player that – it, like Richard said, it might be pretty even in terms of just looking player for player, system for system, record for record. It could, it's probably an e as even as it could possibly get, mm. but because the money is coming in a certain way, people are betting on the 49ers opposed to the Kansas City Chiefs, which makes them the underdog. Yeah, I just think Patrick sits back and he said all the right things about Brock Purdy. He said he watched him a lot at Iowa State, thought he was underrated on and on and on. But I think Patrick sits back and says to himself, wait a second, you're, you're telling me I'm a two-and-a-half-point underdog to Brock Purdy? And I think that drives him. I, I think you're, he, he's been on a mission to show you he could win on the road, and here we go again. 
with another mission. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. think, to be honest with you, Skip, I don't think he's losing sleep over Brock Purdy. I don't think he, no. <laughs> I think he may be losing sleep over trying to figure out how to beat the San Francisco 49ers, yeah. but he ain't losing no sleep over trying to figure out how to be a better quarterback than Brock Purdy. No, no, that, that's the point that, you know. that he's saying, really? You're, you're favored him and them over me and what we've done? Because so far, Patrick Mahomes in these play, in three playoff games has not thrown one ball that was considered turnover-worthy. So he has no, no lost fumbles, no interceptions, not even close to an interception yet. So that's what he's – that's why he would say, why am I the underdog in this game? Well, I think he knows if, if the conversation comes up, he knows that. But again, Skip, players don't sit around no. looking at the line trying to decide – if, if we're underdogs or not, because... I don't know. Andy Reid made that, a big deal about it last night. He kept bringing it up, and we are the underdogs. And we yeah, are because the they, keep, they kept asking him about it at some yeah. point in time. You got to respond to it. You have to address it. But I can tell you, they're not sitting around saying, we're underdogs, because if you felt that way, you would walk out there and say, I don't even have a chance. No, I, I, I think chance. it's the other way. I just think they're... They're on fire about it. They, they were on fire at Buffalo and on fire at Baltimore. Well, they're on fire yeah. at Baltimore and Buffalo because they had to go on the road and they're yep. playing a team that everybody believed at home would get them in the Buffalo Bills because the Buffalo Bills beat them earlier in the year. So they figured, oh, we're going to cakewalk this thing. And they went yep. out and took care of business. And then when you talk about the guy who's going to win the MVP and Lamar Jackson, the number one seed, everybody assumed they just was, I assumed that. Baltimore was going to be in uh, right. Vegas. Yep. And so because of that, players see it and they say, okay, well, we'll, we'll quiet that noise. All right. Up next, we got to talk about this. It happened as it obviously was about to. Now what happens to Eric Bieniemy after he was let go in Washington? No mercy. No mercy. No mercy. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp because your mental well-being matters. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Unlock the power of therapy with BetterHelp and witness the transformative benefits it brings to your life, from gaining valuable insights into your thought patterns to building resilience in the face of challenges. Therapy empowers you to navigate life's twists with confidence. BetterHelp offers a convenient online platform. It's designed to be flexible, fitting seamlessly into your schedule. With a simple questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at no extra cost. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash undisputedpod today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash undisputedpod. Your mental health journey begins here. Yesterday, the obvious became official as Eric Bieniemy has been let go by the commanders as new coach Dan Quinn has hired Cliff Kingsbury, of course, to run the offense. So Keyshawn, 
What's going on? Can you see Eric Bieniemy ever becoming an NFL head coach? I, I, I honestly think that the window, this opportunity in Washington has closed the, the, the door in the window, as sad as it sounds. Yeah. It, 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 I just believe that because his opportunity to get from underneath Andy Reid situation in Kansas City when he wasn't really getting the necessary credit for the things they were doing on offense, even though Andy Reid stated that he was part of calling plays and people just wasn't going to believe it. They were not going to ever believe it. But what happens in these situations, I continue to keep telling you, Skip, and I tell everybody all the time, if you take a bad job in a bad situation, it can derail you in a heartbeat as a football coach. He took a bad situation as an offensive coordinator because Sam Howell wasn't it. I mean, if you have bad quarterback play, you're going to get fired. That's just the the reality of it. Mm -hmm. And if you have good quarterback play, they're going to sing your praises and you're going to be able to move on. Think about Andy Reid for a second. In Philadelphia, he was rolling with Donovan McNabb and Michael Vick. But the moment it got choppy and those guys didn't play at the level the quarterbacks were supposed to play under him, Philadelphia said goodbye. Then he goes to Kansas City. And he is nice with Alex Smith, playoff Alex Smith, and then he turns to Patrick Mahomes. Quarterback play's been sensational. Andy Reid, one of the greatest of all times right now. When he left Philadelphia, he wasn't one of the greatest of all times. So you look at it this way. This year alone, Dave Canellis helped Baker Mayfield kind of turn his career around. He did. Guess what happened then? He got a job in Carolina. Then you look at Shane Steichen a year ago. What he did with Jalen Hurts, He got a job in Indy. Brian Johnson, Jalen Hurts hurt, not playing so well, looking for a job again, right? Now you look at Matt Canada, no quarterback play in Pittsburgh, on the streets, looking for a job. Arthur Smith, got hired in Tennessee, revived Tannehill, really great. Atlanta quarterback play, not so good, on the streets. Bill Belichick, the great Bill Belichick, oh, he was great. For all those years with Tom Brady, we rolling. Bad quarterback play with Mac Jones and company? He had to move on and do something else different. So the whole theme of this is when you have bad quarterback play, you're probably going to be on the streets. And when you have good quarterback play, you're going to probably have an opportunity to get a job. And that wasn't the case in Washington. Mm. Not at all. No. Yeah. It's frustrating because they were rolling for a while in Washington. Then Sam Howell just kind of lost his way, throw, start throwing a lot of interceptions, end up near the league lead in interceptions. And, and that happens. You know, I, I'm sure they're looking to replace Sam Howell this year um, with their second draft pick, uh, their number two draft pick. But I just don't get it because of the way the league is showing us in other aspects that they will hire a guy who's not a play caller. Um, Dan Campbell was not a play caller, got hired. Yeah. Wasn't even an offensive coach. I think it was a special teams and tight end. He was a tight ends coach. Um, you, you look at Brian Callahan getting hired by the Tennessee Titans. I thought that was a lateral to to, to a lateral move, if if not a worse move. You know, this is a worse coach than you had with Vrabel. But for some reason, a guy who was not a play caller with the Cincinnati Bengals is now the head coach of an organization. And I'm being told the reason the enemy hasn't been a head coach is because he wasn't the the play caller and because he wasn't 
the, 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 the head guy on a winning organization. It's like the excuses keep changing. The, the, the goalposts keep moving when it comes to Eric Bieniemy. Um, Dave Canales, a good, good friend. I think he's done a fantastic job. I think he's a fantastic offensive mind. But one year as an offensive coordinator gets a job. Brandon Staley, one year as a defensive coordinator gets a job as a head coach. It just seems odd. I do not know what Eric Bieniemy is doing wrong. I do not know how he's interviewing. I, he didn't get an interview this year. No. Um, I do think he will. I do think he should get a job. I think the Seattle Seahawks um, should be calling him. I think uh, Mike McDonald and his staff should probably look into that and, yep. and see what he can do with Geno and this offense and the weapons that they have. But I do find it really odd, Skip and Key, that he can't seem to find a job. He can't seem to get a head coach. Uh, is somebody to take a shot on him. You know, I don't, I, I, maybe he doesn't seem like he, he, he's great to have around the country club and around your buddies and, and, and to, yeah. to show off. And he's going to sit at your house, house and have dinner with you and tell you how great the team's going to be. Like maybe, maybe that's not, maybe he's not the guy to do that, you know? And, and I, I, I other than that, I can't imagine anything that I've seen that that's in the public space. That's, you know, there's no red flags that are obvious that we could see. Um, that should be holding back. Mm. Well, you 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 know, Skip, how hard it is for us as African American coaches, players, whatever you want to call it. We have to do more. Okay, that's just the reality of it. Yeah. If he had, if he had C.J. Stroud at the quarterback position in Washington, he probably would be the head coach. Sam Howell had some good things going Agreed. in the beginning. Yeah, but it fell apart for whatever reason. Certain guys, no matter what the situation is, you are what you are as a quarterback. He just, you leave Patrick Mahomes and you go somewhere that doesn't have a quarterback or have a young quarterback, a first-round type talent. I'd love to see what he would do with a Justin Fields type. I would love to see that. You know, but he's not going to get that opportunity. And I understand what you're saying, Richard, about going to Seattle, but he's only going to Seattle as a coordinator, okay? We're talking about a head coach. Is what we're talking about. How, how do you look at him as a head coach candidate opposed to as an offensive coordinator? I know he can coordinate on the offensive side of the ball. I've seen him do it in Kansas City, and I've seen him to a, to a degree do it at Washington. But I'm talking about head coaching. Like you mentioned, uh, like Richard mentioned, Skip, some of those guys that did it for six and seven months went on to become head coaches, which to me is unfair, but you know how the league is, man. They just they, they pick and choose what they want to do and who they want to do it with. Yeah. Right. And that's that's what I'm that's the concern is is because nobody nobody else has proven it. You know, there are probably four or five coaches hired in this cycle that haven't proved much of anything. No, you're other right. Other than, you know, that yeah, I, I, and and that's where I'm Brian Callahan, that's one of the most odd hirings I've I've, I've heard in a long time. <laughs> I um, second that. Because I don't I, I I, I don't see I don't see the resume. You know, I don't see the resume. It's no offense to him. I just don't see the resume that that says, hey, this guy will make a great head coach um, in, in the National Football League. I don't see what he's proven. I don't see what he's done. Cincinnati hasn't necessarily been great the last couple of years. They went to that Super Bowl. But again, you're not calling the plays. Um, you're not you're not going out there and, and coordinating in first 15 and doing this every week. So even then, even if they were in Super Bowls and they were competitive, again, to Eric Bieniemy's point, he was in Super Bowls. He's coming off a of Super Bowl, and they're saying, hey, you, don't, you can't be a head coach because you didn't call the plays for a Super Bowl team, a Super Bowl winning team. Yep. 
And I'm, I'm supposed to sit there and say, hey, Tennessee Titans, you did a great job hiring a guy who doesn't call plays. And the offense that he's been a part of hasn't been the greatest offense in football. So what are we actually doing in the National Football League? Now they're saying Vrabel is too big of a human being and too intimidating <laughs> to be a head coach. I mean, what, like, like sometimes you question, you scratch your head, like who's running these organizations? Like if that's, if that's the way you're hiring guys, hey, hey, is he – is too, he, does he intimidate you? Too big. He's too intimidating. Yeah, I don't know. Dan right. like, what are we doing? Sized. I was going to say, Dan Campbell, <laughs> Andy Reid, uh, Kevin O'Connell. Gerard like six, Mayo? No, Gerard Mayo, Kevin O'Connell by 6'9". Yeah. That <laughs> right? was, like, what are, we, what are we talking about? Like, yeah, by the way, that was your it's favorite you anonymous asking. quote from some NFL exec. Yeah, anonymous quote. Yeah, yeah, who was just surmising, well, maybe Vrabel's too big. Physically, he's too intimidating for front office types. God. Whatever. Okay. What did he threaten him? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay, so Eric Bieniemy is now 54 years of age, and I'm with you, Keyshawn. My fear is that the time has run out for him because this this league is all about appearances, reality, and sheep think, and and you're either hot or you're not. And right now, he's not hot. And to Richard's point, I would love to see him at least go to Seattle. If he could go places with Geno, that might put him back in the hot category. I don't think he's too old to be a head coach. Uh, I, I went through a long, tough time with Bill Walsh, who I got to know very well. But remember, he, 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 this, the, back in the old days, this was really old, but, but he was 48 when he first got that job with San Francisco. I think he became the greatest coach of all time. That's just me, but I, I'm biased because I knew him so well. But I was in touch with him through job after job after job that he missed out on when he was the coordinator in Cincinnati. He must have lost out on, I don't know, six or eight jobs in a row. And it just seemed like it was 80 jobs in a row. And he finally got a shot at, at age 48. And he even looked older at that point than age 48 because he always looked older. He looked like a professor. Richard got to cross paths with him in, at Stanford. And... <laughs> The rest is NFL history. So he got his shot finally, and guess what happened? I, I could see, you know, re remember, Eric goes to Washington. What happened in training camp? He ruffled feathers right away because he's, he's old school, man. He, he's he's going to tell you exactly how it's going to be and what is going to be required. And yet, remember when Kansas City started to slump, we were all saying, well, guess who's not there anymore? The bad cop, quote unquote, the, the tough guy is not there because Andy's the nice guy. He's the good cop. And unfortunately for Eric, they turned it completely around and lo and behold, they're back in the Super Bowl. That doesn't hurt, help his stock at all. Right. It, it, you yeah. know, the Seattle thing is, is more and more interesting yeah. to me because it, you mentioned, Skip, if he goes there, yeah. the offense does anything yeah. more than what it's already done. And Geno does something mm -hmm. a little different or whoever they put at the quarterback position all yeah. of a sudden looks a certain way, the opportunity could open itself up, right? Yeah. But in this coaching cycle, there's only a few coordinating jobs that's available still. So my fear is right. he won't get a coordinating job to even be able to give him a stepping stone to have an opportunity to show I can do this at a level in which y'all are comfortable with and feel good about to be able to give me an opportunity as a head coach. I just feel like he'll be put in this position, running back coach situation again, and it'll be hard for him to go be a, co a head coach from that position unless mm -hmm. somebody just says, 
you know what, enough's enough, we're going to hire him. Because I only, I only can think of one coach, especially a black coach, that has ever been a non-coordinator to become a head coach. And that was one guy in Herm Edwards. That's the only guy that I can think of off the top of my head. Yep. Everybody else, oh, Richard, mean, they're always moving the goalposts, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to move it. Right. <laughs> Joe Judge is a special right. team coordinator. Ah, everything's fine. He's good. He's going to be a head coach. Well, how did that work out for the Giants? Where the enemy, right. like you said, actually went to Super Bowls and coordinated in Super Bowls and actually won Super Bowls. But he can't get a fair opportunity and a shot to be a head coach. Interviewing poorly is what people would say. Okay, I'll take that guy. Because the guys who interview good, they keep getting fired. I want the guy that interviews bad then. Give me a guy that interviews bad. If, if that's the knock on Eric the enemy, is that he interviews bad, I take him before I take somebody who interviews good and I got to fire him in two years. Yeah, I just, I, 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 it's, it's frustrating because you hear every excuse and you can, you can disprove them immediately. And that's, that's why I say the Seattle job key, because there are very few coordinator jobs left. And I just... I really hope they don't do that. I really hope they don't push him all the way back to a position coach. And the running back coach is dang near the worst position coach you could be, you know, in terms of moving up the food chain. Quarterbacks coach, I think, is the one that would give you the direct shot back to coordinating, back to head coach, et cetera, et cetera. But if you just look down the line of coaches that, that haven't had the most success, that have been fired uh, lately, you know, you, you talk about the Josh McDaniels of the world, the Joe Judges of the world, the the Brandon Saleys of the world. You know, you, you talk about guys who just didn't have success. It looked a certain way early, and you're like, how did he get the job in the first place? Interview over great. guys that seemed more huh? They interview great, man. You said what? Great interviews. But that's what I'm saying. I wish it was more transparent of a process so that people could understand. Like, at least understand that these organizations aren't what you think they are. They're, they aren't doing the research and, the, and, 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 and all the due diligence that you think they are. They're really just saying, hey, this is my buddy, and, and I think he'd do a great job for you guys. And they're taking phone calls. They're not sitting here going through tape and scheme after scheme. Maybe there are a couple. You know, there are a couple of great organizations. But there are only 10 or 12 organizations that are consistently competitive in the National Football League because some of them are run like mom and pop stores. And that's what you guys need yeah. to understand as fans and as, as, as viewers that stop giving these organizations that much credit. They are not as buttoned up as you think they are. Mm. Well, Joe Brady is a new offensive coordinator at Buffalo Bills. Yeah. He has Josh Allen at quarterback. He was fired in Carolina. He had no quarterback. You see what I'm saying? So it's like when you get a good quarterback – Things work out a certain way. That's why it's very, very, very important to always pick the right spots, man. If you pick the wrong spots, this is what you're going to be dealing with. Us up here talking about and defending why you should be able to get a job and be hired and get a fair opportunity and a chance. And it just doesn't, for whatever reason, Skip, you've been around it long enough, it's the same assembly line. It just goes around just in circles. Goes. We get off, somebody else get on, and we never get back on yeah, that is a fact. Right. I mean, look at Matt Nagy. Look at Matt Nagy in Kansas City right now. Look how they were talking about him before. And now, look, he's in Kansas City in the Super Bowl for the second year in a row. Okay. All we can do is... Quarterback. We can wish Eric well. We can talk about it and try to keep it at the forefront and hope that he gets another coordinator job that he could continue to try to prove himself as a head coaching candidate. 
All right, up next. Seahawks, go get it. Yeah, go Seahawks, go. 49ers reportedly are not happy with their college practice field in Vegas. Is this a big deal or no big deal? We debate next. No mercy, no mercy, no mercy. And now it's your turn. Hashtag Undisputed Live. Here we go with the first tweet from Rio Suave. Skip. 15 will be the GOAT when it's all said and done, and you will have to live with that. No, Rio, you will forever have to live with the untouchable greatness of number 12. And you know who I'm speaking What if about. Pat won six? Now you're still trying to make me. No, I'm just asking you, Skip. I just asked you a simple question. It's a yes or a no. It's over. Oh, so what if we he, already okay. lost to Brady. What if he won stunned. eight? What if he won eight? You, can, you predicting that? I did not. I asked you a I'll simple bet question. You, you eight, can't answer the question? I, I'll bet you I'm eight not betting anything. Just answer the question. If he you wins already eight, said it's going to be hard I'm asking four. you a question. If he wins eight, then what? You got Okay. Yeah. All right. You eclipsed, right? I'm just asking you. That's well, all. Because I see it's numbers that drive you. It's the Super Bowl number of yeah. seven. Okay. Yeah. Especially gotcha. how you played in those seven. Oh, God. Can, did, did, in the eight, will he, will he have at least one 300-yard passing game? No. Because Brady had Brady had four zero. in ten. How many in, MVPs does Brady uh, have in those games, Skip? Yeah, well, he got robbed out of one. In the I first Philly it. Super Bowl. I'm just asking how many he got. Yeah. Now he got robbed. Well, he did. Oh, God. What's his name? Deion Branch? What one? are they doing? Looking for Belichick? Deion Branch? <laughs> are you kidding? All right. Tweet two from The Truth. Swifty's response after Brock Purdy said, he did say this last night, he's ready to disappoint Taylor Swift on Sunday. Haters gonna hate. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what they want him to say. I have no idea. This is probably a bad thing. We know nothing about her music. No, I'm proud that I don't. This is from Robert Merrill. How Richard, (laughs) Richard goes to sleep at night. Let it go, LOL. That's a gigantic Richard trying to get in them. Is that like a child's right, right. bed Let or something? Me, turn me to side. I don't, ah. I don't sleep that way. You know what I mean? <laughs> turn me the right way. But, they, wait, wait. but what's, what's, what are the sheets? Buccaneer sheets? No, they're 49ers. No, they're oh, 49ers. Oh, no, that's not the sheet. That's oh, the comforter. Oh, yeah. The sheets must be Buccaneer sheets. Because, oh, you know, oh, oh, you know Richard go all three, though. He's 3-0. Yeah. Oh. He he's 3-0 yeah, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, you know it, Keith. Yeah. So, Richard, you sleep in helmet and shoulder pads? <laughs> yeah, no, actually, I used to on. when I was a kid, Skip. There was, there was a time when I was a little kid. I used to sleep with that helmet on. First game of the year, Keith. Yeah. yeah. Nine years go. old. Yeah. And look at his blazer's color today. Look at the blazer color today. Richard's blazer color. What, 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 what did I do? That, 49er glow yeah, he, to he, it. Yeah, 49, man. Come on, man. Stop, man. You played for them three years, man. Stop it. <laughs> if I were a Seahawks fan, I would not be happy with this because I think he's got a little more Niner in his heart. I'm, yeah. I'm going to let you know something, Skip. Yeah. I could not care less. I believe that also. Okay, back to business because reportedly the 49ers, speaking of, are not happy with the condition of their practice field. Chiefs are practicing at the Raiders facility. Talk about strange bedfellows. But the Niners are at the UNLV practice field that was resodded last week. Okay, so Richard, you've been through this number of times. Big deal, no big deal. It's a big deal and it's weird. 
And it's yep. weird. And I thought this was weird initially because our first Super Bowl was, was great because it was in New York. So there was two NFL teams. So each team got an NFL facility. One team was at the Giants. One team was at the Jets. It worked yeah. fine. Yeah. Then we go to Arizona and we're the we're, we're technically the home team. So we get to pick the facility. So we pick the Cardinals facility. The Cardinals reject that, Skip. They, they say, did? hey, we're a division rival. No. We say we don't want them in our facility. What? They have to practice at Arizona State. So we had to practice at Arizona State, which was, okay. was totally weird. I don't understand. Didn't understand that at the time. Still don't understand it. <laughs> then I go with the San Francisco 49ers, and we have to practice at the University of Miami, which was fine. They had great facilities. But – it, it, it is something about college facilities that is worse. You know, yeah. it's just not great facilities sure. it, they're compared to what you're used to in the National Football League. Now, I'm sure they're, you know, in the SEC, if you're at LSU or you're at Bama, you're probably pretty much at an NFL facility. So I can't argue that. But yeah, Richard, UNLV, do you, do you, they knew. That. Yeah. Do you know if the Chiefs got to practice at the Dolphins facility that week before that Super Bowl? Yes, they did. Well, they that's did. not fair. Although you said UN right, but, facilities but, were pretty good. Yeah, UM yeah. facility were fine, but that's yeah. that's the weird part about this, and and that's the part the league is going to either have to correct or they're going to have to stop having um, Super Bowls there because when you're a Super Bowl team, you're forced to use these facilities. You're forced to use whatever the NFL puts you at. They, if they put you at UNLV, that's what you got to use. So it isn't a mistake on the 49ers' behalf. Like they didn't do their research and they didn't go out and check these facilities. This is what they have to deal with. So it's the NFL's not doing enough to, to accommodate or have a plan B for them to fall back on. Like, hey, the field is flooded. Have an indoor facility for them to go to because you can't have inequity at the Super Bowl. And this, that's yeah. what this is. This is inequity it is. because one's at an NFL facility and like, hey, if it rains, we're indoors. We get to change things up. You could have left the 49ers in, in San Jose, Santa Clara for this and let them practice in a, in a facility that they know and that they know it's going to be up to par. UNLV wasn't up to par from the get-go. And so you're going to have to start thinking about only having the Super Bowl at places that have two NFL teams or that have facilities that can house NFL teams like New Orleans or L.A. with two NFL teams, New York with two NFL teams. Otherwise, you're going to run into situations like this. And it's unfair. Well, here's what I'm going to say. It's only a big deal, Skip, if somebody gets hurt. Okay, then it's a big deal. Yeah. I practiced in San Diego at UC San Diego, okay? Brown grass, hard grass, mm. dust. The grass was, it was, it was terrible. But we didn't complain, we just practiced. Mm. We went out there and won the football game. You remember where the Raiders practiced? I don't remember yeah. where the Raiders practiced at all. I, we really didn't care, right? Because for the most part in Super Bowl practices, you pat and go in any damn way. You're not all out practicing and I mean, you, you basically are walking through and jogging through. I don't know. Yeah, I, you are. I, I was with yeah. some Jimmy Johnson teams. They were thudding up, man. That's true. Yeah. But that was in 1965, I know. I, It man. wasn't 1965. It, it wasn't today. No. I mean, you're not really doing a whole yeah. lot, right? Yeah. You're doing more film study, and you're trying to stay off your feet as much as possible. Those are the sort of things. It sounds like a little bit of an excuse to me, setting themselves up to be able to say, well, we didn't have a good practice week because of this. On top of that, just so that you are aware, Richard, UNLV got some Have grand... you seen the fields? Hold on a sec. Just so you're aware, UNLV, you... UNLV has brand new facilities. Just so that you are aware. Have you seen the fields, though? I just want you to know. Have you Hold seen on, the fields? I'm going to get there. Because I've seen them. 
I'm going to get there. First of all, the league in the 49ers came in and put a field on top of they a turf field. Resided. Okay? Yeah. No, it was AstroTurf. Yeah. Yeah. They put it, they laid it on top of the turf. They, 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 they didn't put anything in between it. Yeah. They have to put something in between it to raise it up, and they don't even start practicing until Wednesday at UNLV. So it, it was some I, rain it, going on there. So when you look at it, this ain't on UNLV. UNLV didn't touch the field. Their grounds crew didn't touch the field. That's what I said. It's on the, it's on the NFL. It's on the league and the 49ers who came in and did this to the field. So it's not about UNLV's facilities because if they would have said, hey, we're going to just practice on UNLV stuff, it would have been fine. It would have been perfectly fine. But it sounds like a little bit of a setup, though, Skip. Mm. If we lose, we'd have it, practiced it's not, well. It's not. First <laughs> off, let, let me make a few points here. Sorry, Skip. That's all right. Our, our, our Super Bowl practices are hard. We still were doing one-on-ones at Super Bowl practices. The both Super Bowls we were in Seattle, we had yeah. one-on-ones during the week. Um, we were, we were practicing hard as, hard as you can practice. Um, San Francisco was a little more lax. It wasn't as hard as uh, the Seattle practices. Second off, but that was it's so on the league though. to make sure that teams have – comparable facility. So they couldn't anticipate it raining, but you should have a plan B. This is this ain't a preseason game. This is the Super Bowl. So for you to not have a you have a plan B for the Kansas City Chiefs. Hey, the field's flooded. It's muddy. Go indoor. But the other team you have no plan B for. That is where it's concerning. I, it, it's no excuse. The game is going to go. The team that wins is going to win. It's going to be no excuse at the end of the day. But you, at the Super Bowl, if you're not getting the the presidential treatment at the Super Bowl, like, then what are you doing as a league? Because you earn the right to be here, and you're telling me they earn the right to play on a muddy, terrible field. That just doesn't, that doesn't seem up to snuff with what the NFL standards are for just about everything else. And if you're treating Super Bowl teams like this, then what, what are we doing? They don't practice till Wednesday, man. They're, I, think, they're, I think the Raiders actually practiced. What? I mean, sorry, the Raiders, the... Um, Chiefs practiced at the Raiders yesterday. Monday. No, but yes. I'm saying UNL, yeah. I'm saying the 49ers, yeah. they don't utilize the field yeah. at UNLV until Wednesday. That'll be the first they time. They practice that, on Mondays. They, they win it. No, they, they go they, in there and, and get a, get yeah. a jog through Monday. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but the field that we're talking about, they'll start that process on Wednesday. On that particular okay, field. Well, why were they already complaining about it? The players they probably, obviously they probably, saw it. They, they probably walked they out there on it or whatever it. and saw it yeah. slushy, a little bit yeah. wet or whatever the case is. In the end, as long as nobody gets hurt, I think that it's, it's nothing, man. It ain't, yeah. It's not that big of a deal. That's why Shanahan said it is what it is. We're going to prepare. We're going to play. We're going to go out there and we're going to take care of business. So, Keyshawn, maybe the reason you guys just kind of lollygagged through practices before your Super Bowl was you, you knew? It wasn't, it wasn't a lollygag. Okay. It wasn't a lollygag. Okay. But we wasn't in pads and doing okay. all of that. Well, you knew all their signals. Oh, you, God, you, well, stop. you did. You knew oh, all the Raiders' stop. signals. Did you not? <laughs> no, okay. we did not. We did not know all. You knew all of them. We did not you, know you knew all what their signals. You knew what play they were going to run before yes, they ran it. Yes, because all you got to do is look at the formation. No. If you, you study the tape. Right. Your you coach look, was their coach. Right. It doesn't matter. He was their play it caller. It does not matter, Skip. <laughs> if I look at the formations, if I know Charles Woodson is Eight yards off, and his hips are to the sideline. I know yeah. it's cover three. Here's what they're getting ready. 
We already know what's going to come. Okay, That's but why I'm we talking about film. your defense against their offense. They know the formation. When they, you line up in a three-by-one, yeah, it's, it's very it's, easy. It's, it's very easy for John Lynch to say, it's third and six on the plus 35. They're going to run Sluggo Seam. Mm-hmm. How many times have they ran Sluggo right. Seam in that situation? Oh, just so happened, right. they ran it again. Mm. That's, that's what he wants us to do. That's the thing about the league. We're smart It's a copycat league. It, it, that, that's what makes them Hall of Famers. You got five Hall of Famers on defense, so you might as well have five defensive coordinators out there playing it. They see formations. They recognize it. They're all on the same page. They're going to execute it at a high level. Skip, the game exactly. is really simple. That's why the game against Peyton was so simple for us because everybody, they're running this hurry-up offense, and everybody's like, oh, they're so tired, and they're running all these plays. They really only ran like eight plays. Yep. They're just running them fast and, and hurrying up. But once you figure out what the eight plays are, it's like, oh, just hit them in the mouth and, and stop them and let's get off this field and send them home. Okay, but didn't it help that – didn't the, like the first snap of the game go over Peyton's head or something? They, they completely hundred percent. percent That gave us two points, and they had 15 said, points almost pretty much going into halftime. <laughs> they gave us two. That yeah, was that two was points. Two, two points. Huh? No, but then they could have kept that. Y'all still would have beat them. But it went downhill from there. Right. Man. That's what yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> Okay, so we scored in, nine as a defense. So yeah. I mean, we would have beat them either way. All right. So in the end, what the NFL is arguing is that their officials and the NFL PA officials went in last week and signed off on whatever this field is, soggy or whatever it is, or soft or right, squishy but that, or what, whatever. What, yeah. If, if, Skip, how something is last week under different circumstances yeah. doesn't ch- determine how it is this week. Under it could have rained for two weeks straight. How it was on Monday of last week is different how it's going to be on Monday of this week. And that's why, again, there's going to be concerns and conversations that happen. To Key's point, if somebody does get hurt, you know, knock on wood, we don't. We never want that. But could you imagine being the facility of a field like the the and, and the NFL isn't open to that kind of liability. Even if somebody got hurt, it's not like you can sue the league and be like, man, you put me in danger. You could have left us at our own facility and protected our players, but you're not. You're putting them on this terrible grass that you put over AstroTurf and not giving these guys a safe field to play on. And that's at the Super Bowl. You know, at a preseason game, you can say, oh, it's just a preseason game. But this is supposed to be the mecca. This is supposed to be the top of the top, and things aren't aligning that way. Yep. So they asked Debo about it last night, and he said, ask Kyle. Then they asked Kyle about it, and he said, ask Debo. So they were just sort of... (laughs) Shirking responsibility because they didn't want to have to blast the NFL on the big showcase night. All right, they didn't okay. do it right. They they could have they could have got the field perfect. But yeah. it is what it is. As well, Kyle said. Remember the field last year? Where were we in Arizona? It, it was it was horrible. Yeah, right? they had to change a lot of cleats. Oh, it was horrible. All right, up next, let's get back to the NBA. Haven't talked about it yet, but LeBron says he will have no input into whatever decisions the Lakers make at trade deadline. You buying that? No mercy, no mercy, no mercy. As we celebrate Black History Month, I like to celebrate Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali had a famous quote. Fold like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Rumble, young man, rumble. Muhammad Ali taught me so many different things. He taught me to fight for things I believed in. He taught me to treat others with respect and love, no matter color, race, size, 
Muhammad Ali will always greatly be missed. The one thing he also taught me and inspired me to be is be a true champion. He talked about he wanted to be the champion the way he wanted to be, not like the people wanted him to be. And that's one thing Muhammad Ali's taught me, and I always remember that. Rest in peace. The Lakers won their third straight game last night. That's their first three-game winning streak since they won three in a row in the in-season tournament. Just a week ago, they were 7-19 and on the road now. They've risen to 10-19 as they held off Charlotte last night in Charlotte. But they're still stuck in ninth place in the West at 27-25 and with the trade deadline looming. LeBron James, of course, was asked what he would like to see the Lakers do, and this was his answer. It's not, it's not a question for me. I love when we have in the locker room. That's all I worry about. I'm going to be caught up in that. Um, we're going to go out and prepare ourselves um, you know, every single night, whatever it is, no matter who's out on the scene, no matter what. So it's my job, it's AD's job, it's two, two captains to make sure we keep the main thing, the main thing, the main focus is now Thursday's game. So, Keyshawn, LeBron says that's not a question for me. Do you believe that he'll have little to no input into whatever the Lakers do or don't do at the trade deadline? Well, I think, he, I think he will have conversations, what that input would be. I don't think he carries the same sway as he once did with front office and management with the Lakers. I, I just don't, I don't think that. I think that they want to pull back the reins from Clutch and, and Rich Paul and LeBron James making some major executive decisions on the roster. Now, he's a superstar, so you're going to have a conversation with him because you need to know, can he play with whoever you try to acquire, Absolutely. if you acquire anyone? Yep. But it won't be this go-get-him demand that we heard about for so many years with LeBron James. I think that that, for the Lakers, for the most part, I think that that has kind of come to you know, a little bit of a hope. Um, when you start to say, what's going to happen with LeBron James down the line? Yeah. And in the end, is LeBron James' noise that comes with LeBron is quieted down about players that he wants, right? We're not hearing that. What we are hearing, though, <coughs> is LeBron on a trading block. Are they going to move LeBron? Is he going to opt in? Those are the sort of things, because if you go back and you look at the past, all the teams that he's ever been around, you heard LeBron wants this. They better go get this, because if they don't get that, this is what's going to happen, and then they go do something. We're not hearing that right now. All we're hearing about is, is LeBron still going to be here after Thursday? That's the big questions that come up. So that's why I say I don't know how much influence he's going to actually have and what they do. So do you feel like he and management are somewhat at odds for the first time? There's a little friction? Well, you got to think back to the, the Westbrook situation, right? He, he wanted Westbrook where many people thought... Pushed, pushed hard for him. They, they, yeah. Many people thought they wanted, they, mm -hmm. he, they wanted to go in a different direction. They allowed him, I guess, to, to do what it was that he wanted, and it didn't work out. Nope. And as you... Remember a year or so ago, Jeannie Buss said, I've got to take control back of this organization and this team. And I think that's what she has been trying to do along with Rob Palinka. So we'll see on Thursday, what is it, 5 Eastern time deadline? So we'll see. Mm. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I don't know. I think he's tired. I think he's tired. I think he's frustrated. I think he's irritated. Um, but he's a Mount Rushmore player. Um, 
which is, you know, obviously the greatest player during his time. And I don't, you don't move players like that. At, at the trade deadline, you don't move them midseason. You, it's either before the season or after the season. You don't move LeBron James. You don't move Kobe Bryant. You don't move uh, Jordan. You don't move none of them unless they want to be moved and you don't do it at the trade deadline because how many guys get traded at trade deadline go on to win championships? Have you ever heard of a guy like that? I've never heard of a situation like that. So I don't think he's going to ever be moved at the trade deadline, but um, I just don't see a piece that that gets them over the hump that 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 is just like, oh, man, this guy is going to answer a lot of the, the problems and the issues we have because they don't have a ton of issues when they play the game the right way. Then when they play the game the right way, they play with great effort. They play effort on the defensive end. They execute offensively. As LeBron said, as the rest of the team has said, they can beat anybody. But. They just don't do that consistently. They don't They don't play with consistent effort. They don't play with consistent intensity on the defensive end. So they then lose the teams they shouldn't lose to. And so, no, I don't see a lot of traction um, or energy towards what they're going to do at the trade deadline because I feel like they think they have a good enough roster right now to compete for a championship. They just need to play at the level that they're capable yeah. of more consistently. And I'm, I'm happy with the three-game win streak, Skip. I, I, I'm be. very excited right now. No, you should be. There is no way they're going to trade LeBron James. And there's no way he shouldn't have some input into whatever moves they make. But I'm with Richard. I don't see a move that can be made. Would you trade Austin Reeves? You're not that high or not sold on him, Keyshawn, but I just, I, I think they're sold. I think LeBron's sold enough that, that he wants to keep Austin Reeves. Would you trade D'Angelo Russell? Well, I'm looking at the numbers since he came back from his bruised tailbone. That's 16 games worth. He's averaging 22 a game on 45% shooting from three. Well, he's been pretty great. And if they can just get healthy, if they can get Cam Reddish back, and Jared Vanderbilt back, and maybe Gabe Vincent for a little bit of this season because he's been there for five games, they're pretty good. They have a chance. With LeBron James playing at the level he's still playing at, I think he had seven dunks last night in Charlotte, they have a chance. Without LeBron, they would not have a chance. I don't know what you could get back from him, but not nearly enough to replace him. And Anthony Davis has been playing at a very high level, and he played – he had – I think it was a career-high eight assists at halftime last night. So he had, that was the highest assist he's had in a half in his career. I just I, I like this team as long as they could get healthy and commit to playing a little bit of defense because we saw them commit to play defense in the end-season tournament. You, you saw they're capable of it. I've seen them play defense against Oklahoma City. I've seen them play defense against the Clippers. I, I've seen the best of this team, and it's good enough to contend in the Western Conference. You know, Skip, it's not that I don't like Austin Reeves. Yeah. You know, he's 8-3 last night, 0-5 from 3. No, he you know, didn't he, have a great he, game. He didn't, have, he didn't play well. He had 11 assists, but didn't play well. It's not yeah. that I don't like him. He did him. have 11. What I try and do, because I didn't play in the NBA, but I got a lot of NBA friends that I deal with, a lot of executives in the NBA, I try to listen to them because they know NBA basketball far more than I do. And when they tell me, eh, he's, he's, he's a good player, I have to take that into consideration. I can't all of a sudden take him and put him at another level when there's an opportunity to maybe get somebody at another level. It, it, I understand we like him. It's a, it, he's a good player. But sometimes when you hold on to good players where you can get something more, you defeat the purpose of trying to win a championship. So my whole thing is, okay, 
Is there somebody out there in a package that includes Austin Reeves that you can bring back? I would never trade LeBron James. I'm just sitting here telling you what the noise is. The noise noise. is LeBron, 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 LeBron. Then LeBron adds to it by putting things, uh, uh, a towel on, a nick towel on his head. Like, you're adding to the conversation. And then on top of that, the Lakers organization hasn't come out and said, well, what the hell do we look like trading LeBron James? They never, I haven't, did you hear anybody say that? I haven't heard anybody say that. Usually, the organization (laughs) would come out and say, we're not, why, what? Like, that's crazy. Even if, even if we didn't get it directly from Genie and company, we usually can get it from an NBA insider who's dialed Mm -hmm. into the organization that would say, hey, I spoke to an executive with the team, and they said there's no way in hell. Yeah. And then when Rich Paul's agent well, says he that. Felt compelled to make a public statement? Yeah, but that, that's we what I'm saying. We don't want to so be traded? I don't know what's going to happen on Thursday. Yeah. I think they would be stupid to get rid of LeBron, stupid. but yeah. you I, just I, never know. You just never know, man. I just don't I, – I, I don't think they make a statement because I don't I think they think it's so asinine that anybody would say that, that it, it's it's beyond making a statement that we're not going to trade LeBron James, because why would we even speak about trading LeBron? Why would we even put those but words how many in the same times, Richard, But how many times, Richard, how ridiculous it is. How many times have you heard organizations when top players names are linked to some movement? They simply will tell you over my dead body. Would we ever move? Yeah. So it's you. They just do. There's even though you and I know, a- even though you and I know that it's stupid to do such a thing. There's other people that feed into it, and then they become inundated with emails and phone calls, and the organization has to deal with it. So they put out a PR statement they- to say, no, no, that's not happening. That's all I'm saying. There's not a there's not a player of LeBron James's stature in the NBA, and there hasn't been since Kobe or Jordan. And so you don't need to. There's nobody to compare it. There's no situation to compare it to because there's nobody to compare it to outside of those guys. And you're not going to hear about midseason trades for Jordan, midseason trades for Kobe. I think you heard speculation maybe one year when Kobe was really unhappy and Kobe was was. like, man, I don't know if I'm going to be a Laker. But he was openly saying that I'm not I'm Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be here very long. So if uh, if LeBron James was speculating, hey, I don't know if I'm going to be here next year, then I could hear them coming out with a statement saying, hey. We're not trading LeBron James, but I, I think what, they're not going to, to 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 make smoke where there's no smoke. They're not gonna gonna entertain things that that are really irrational. And so I'm with them. I'm with them. Don't don't entertain nonsense. Yeah, but we are in the business of following these athletes, Richard. And when LeBron James does some of the things that he does and says some of the things that he says, his agent a week ago said LeBron is not asking for a trade. And LeBron, and, and, and uh, he's not on the trading block. This is from his agent, Rich Paul. Yeah. And then the moment that LeBron asked about his option, he's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, like he, he's adding to that speculation. He does. He, he's doing that. Then he takes and he puts on what? the Knicks towel. I don't know what all that means. Do yeah. I think LeBron wants to leave L.A.? No, I do not. But I don't know what it means. I have no idea what that means. It, 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 well, well, that's as an organization, you just wait till Thursday. You don't have to answer any questions. You know what the result's going to be. We're not trading LeBron James. It'll be obvious Thursday. And so I, I, I'm with them. I don't. I putting a Knicks towel on when you're sitting at the Garden and all the towels in the locker rooms are Knicks towels. I, I, I mean, it, 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 
it leads to speculation, but it's nonsense. You know, I, y'all think he's going to be playing for the Knicks next season? I highly doubt it. But I mean, then if it happens, then you can say, well, you, we knew because of this Knicks towel. But he's always wanted to play. Highly, he's highly always doubt. wanted to play for the Knicks. I'm just saying what he said, man. I'm not. I'm not making anything up. I didn't make the news. I'm just delivering the news. That's yeah. it. Look, LeBron has always sent passive, aggressive messages to management with little this and little of the hourglass has run out. Time has run out on you. You, you, you better do what, what needs to get done. And yet LeBron does deserve to have input because he, he has shown us over time. I, I think he has high basketball IQ as it relates to picking players, except the one Swing and miss was on Westbrook, and I still don't get it because I first get as, as soon as I heard it, I'm like, what, what are you thinking? He's high turnover, poor shooter. What I, I don't know. I know he plays hard, and he's found that little niche as that sixth or seventh man coming off the Clippers bench. I got you. But they corrected that, yeah, though. They, they did. They, they corrected they the did. Westbrook they, mistake. They did, and that was also LeBron's doing. He knew right away, <laughs> I, no, we cannot survive with him as a starter on this team. So I hark back to the Jordan days, covered him in Chicago, and Jerry Krause, the GM, was famous for saying no to Michael when Michael wanted a lot of North Carolina, like Al Wood. I, let's go get Al Wood. <coughs> no, Jerry said no, he can't play. He's, he doesn't fit here. Well, Michael went on to prove that he was simply the worst picker of basketball talent in the history of the league because he became the worst GM ever in his run, obviously, in Charlotte. And that's over. So with, with LeBron, his, his ability to pick players is much higher to me than Jordan's. I give him that big advantage over Jordan. It doesn't relate to playing basketball, but in picking basketball players. But he does have. So well, how could you exclude him? If, if you're going to go get somebody, wouldn't you want him think, to sign that, off? I don't think they're saying excluding. Yeah. What I yeah. think is he had so much weight. Yeah, I don't think. Don't, that don't forget, it. he went. It was a clutch move, but it worked. Yeah, but they I went and think, got Anthony Davis. Yeah, but right? I don't think that weight. Yeah, is there quite the same as it once was because he's older in his career? Okay, I don't think that they. I, I just don't feel that. I just don't feel that way. At least from people that I know around the NBA and, yeah. and things of that nature, they they don't feel that way. So naturally, I'm well, not going mean, to feel that it, way. You, you got to feel that way because if you make him too unhappy, then he opts out and he walks at the end of the season. You know, obviously he's talked about playing with his son. I don't think his son is going to declare for the NBA draft. I don't think he would get drafted high enough right now. So oh, it would no, be in his best interest to play another <laughs> he's this year. Get, yeah, if he comes out, he'll get drafted. He'll get drafted. Well, I mean, he'll get drafted because people want LeBron to go to their organization. But <laughs> yeah. I just, uh, you know, I think he wouldn't be having a season that he would want to have coming out. Uh, of college uh, to get drafted where he wants to get drafted. But I think that's why LeBron James is saying that. He's saying, I don't know. If my son comes out and gets drafted to to, to the New Orleans Pelicans, yeah. I mean, I highly doubt LeBron's going to New Orleans. <laughs> but he wants to leave his options open if that's something that he wants to pursue. Now, yeah. remember, college basketball players, in Bronny's case, a lot of college basketball players, don't. Sh- you, you don't you can't show a whole lot. He may be better suited as a pro basketball player possible. than I, a college I, I basketball player. I mean, yeah. you, you, you just check the box on Westbrook. That's just one. 
I can go on and on and on about many good yeah, guys but, in but college that started. didn't fill up, but didn't fill up the box scores in college. Check at the all. box on Michael Jordan at North Carolina. Check it out. Check that too. Right. But is Brody even a starter? I, that's a good question. Well, yeah, at least I think he's he his, he's, his condition that he's. Yeah, I don't know that he's starting right now, but that yeah. doesn't matter though. Yeah. It did college basketball. Hey, college, is not, it's, not, it's not. No, it's not like it's not like football, Richard. College basketball is nowhere near like football. They've already made a decision. They've already made a decision. The NBA scouts and executives have already made a decision on basketball players by the time they get to college on where they're going to be as far as prospects go. They've already made that decision. Going to college is just an extra layer for one year, maybe two years. If you start getting guys in the three and four years of college basketball, that ain't the same. They like basketball upside in youth. In hoops, different than football. Yeah, Except but I, I've only Reeves. heard of like backups well, he was being in his, drafted Austin in the first Reeves round. Nine years in college. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but guess that. what? He was a right. G League guy before he became a starter for the Lakers. <laughs> Not really. I mean, he just stepped on the I, floor I, and I, just I, made the team. I mean, he just took off. <laughs> I I watched him at Oklahoma. He wasn't half this kind of player. Not half. Players players at Kentucky get drafted as backups sometimes, as, as bench players. But I've never heard of a guy at SC being a backup that isn't behind but five. It's, but, but this ain't a guy at USC, picks. though. Yeah. This is what you got to realize, Richard. This is not a guy at USC. This is a guy with the last name, James. There's a big difference than a normal bench player at a college. Different, different situation. Yeah, but it, it, the... The name James isn't getting him in the starting lineup, so I don't know if it's going to get him in the first round of an NBA draft. But I, you know, I don't call those shots. We'll see. But it's 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 we can go we can dive deeper into why he could potentially be a first round player. Just see, we can dive into it offline, and I'll bring you up to speed a little bit more. Mm, okay, I appreciate that. All right, let's dive into who will be the top pick in the next NFL draft. Caleb Williams to the Bears at number one. Does that mean Justin Fields is about to be on the trading block? And that's next. No mercy, no mercy, no mercy. A new ESPN draft breakdown. Has the Bears taken Caleb Williams number one overall? And trading Justin Fields. This analysis from Matt Miller after he spent a week at the Senior Bowl talking to NFL execs and scouts. So, Keyshawn, would this be the right or wrong move for the Chicago Bears? I personally think it's the wrong move for the Chicago Bears, but it could be jockeying in position for Ryan Poles to be able to maybe move down to the number two spot, pick up some extra picks, because if Washington truly wants Caleb, I can play a role and say, hey, if you want to move to number one, give me your future one, give me this, give me that, whatever the, the chart said, is, and then some, mm -hmm. if you really want Caleb. Otherwise, I think we're going to call, I think we're going to take him and we're going to move Justin Fields to Pittsburgh or to Denver or to a team that's so lovely just wants the quarterback and his style of play. Yeah. Because we really want to take Caleb. Or Washington could say, oh, we'll call you bluff because we like Jaden Daniels anyway. And, and so you, you're sitting in that position. The reason that I look at Justin Fields different than most people is I also look at his situation and circumstances and his surroundings. Okay, DJ Moore he just acquired last year. He's been in and out, jerked around 
by offensive coordinators in and out, playing games, not putting him in the best position to succeed. Now, the, bad, the, the worst thing that could ever happen to Chicago Bears and Chicago Bear fans is for that young man to go to a situation with a thriving offensive coordinator with pieces around him. Check Pittsburgh, for instance. Got some pieces in the running back, the receivers. There's some pieces there. Or check Denver. Denver's got some pieces if they stay healthy on the offensive side. Now you all of a sudden look up and, and, and Sean Payton has his paws on Justin Fields. And you draft Caleb Williams, who is much smaller, and you, you uh, worked in Chicago. You know the wind coming off the lake. You know how cold it is, although he grew up in the D.C. area. He hadn't played in D.C. in a long time. No. He's been out here in sunny Southern California. So his blood is really thin now. So you, you just got to spend a year in Norman, Oklahoma. But yeah, but even a year in Norman, Oklahoma, yeah. it gets a little cold, but it's not the no, same. No. And so when you look at everything in, in totality, do you really want to move on from someone that you never really gave an opportunity and a chance to at the quarterback position to draft something that is really relatively unknown? And another thing that I really don't like about quarterbacks is I always look at their top winning percentage against top teams. Caleb went to USC. I love him for coming to USC and winning the Heisman and almost getting us into the Final Four until we got blew out last year against Utah and it wasn't all his fault. He got hurt in the game. Other guys got hurt. But his, his lifetime record in college football over three seasons, he's 2-6 and six against top 15 teams. That, that's always a concern. It just is. That's, all, that's, one, of those, that's one of those check boxes when you're evaluating quarterbacks, okay? Do I want my quarterback to be as smart as anybody on the field? Absolutely. Is he as smart as anybody on the field? Yes. Is he athletic? All of those things. Okay, is he one of those generational top three ever seen quarterbacks? Every single quarterback at the top of the draft is that. Think about it. Every year when a quarterback comes out, he's a can't-miss prospect. He made the throw at a combine. He's a this, he's a that. So if you draft him based on those sort of things, you certainly are doing Chicago a disservice if they take him. I mean, if you, if you think about the quarterbacks pick number one in the last decade or so, how many of them have went, went to Super Bowls or won Super Bowls? Um, I, I think Burrow might be the only one. Um, Matthew that, Stafford. That well, Matthew time. Stafford was drafted a while ago. In the last decade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, was, yeah. he was drafted 20 years ago. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it's something like that. I think it was 2008, maybe 2007. Yeah, but, Joe might be the latest. And Jared Goff. Jared, Jared Goff has gone. Yeah. Joe Burrow has gone. But it's rare. And, and, and as lost. of late, you've seen these quarter. And they both lost. Uh, Stafford's the only one that won out of that group. But. I just don't see what people have seen. I see what you're seeing, Keith. I see you better hope the Utah defense is in the National Football League because he struggles with them tremendously every single time he sees them. Uh, it's, it's, it's like a different guy out there. He, his stats look different. Um, his team usually struggles. His team loses to Utah every single time they see him. And he had 30 touchdowns, five interceptions. But to your point, when, they, when the competition level increases – when it gets to, to be, hey, everything is just about even, he doesn't usually win those games. And I know you see the, the resemblance to Patrick Mahomes and, and some of the stuff that he does, but 
if you go back 10 years, this stuff was the kind of stuff you, you would be red flags. You'd be like, oh, man, this is too cowboy. He's too cowboy out there. He's breaking the football rules. He's throwing across his body. He's throwing back into the teeth of the defense. Um, he's on the run. He's always trying to make something happen. He's not delivering the ball off his initial read, hitting his back foot, letting the ball go. You know, these things used to be concerns, and they're still concerns to me. He's a six-foot-one quarterback. He might only be six-foot and some change. I think that's a concern. That's he's not – Yep. If he was 6'4", 6'3 half, 6'2 I'd feel better. But you're not seeing this the way I would see this to say, hey, we need to move off Justin Fields. This guy is, is light years better than Justin Fields. This guy is way better. He's a whole different beast than Justin Fields. That's not what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a guy that's comparable. You want to go? No, go ahead. All right. Caleb Williams will turn out to be better than Justin Fields. So if I'm the Bears, I'm going to take him. And I hear all the negatives or potential negatives you guys both talked about, and I, I buy them. I agree with them. I watched Caleb from the start, every snap at Oklahoma. I watched every snap he played for your team. And mm -hmm. I also watched your defense that was coordinated or uncoordinated by the Grinch who stole football, who's no longer your coordinator. <laughs> Thank God. And Caleb had to put up with that. He had to try to overcome that because it's going to be 55 to 54 every time you play, especially Utah. And look at the scores. And Again, did they have Caleb's number? I don't know. He put up a bunch of points, and then he did get hurt the, in the conference championship game. Yeah, he got hurt. his hamstring, mm -hmm. and he was limping around out there. And played well limping. You know, he, he played pretty well because he is an elite playmaker. So to Richard's point about being a cowboy out there, I, I, he is. I, I got it. Wish he were a Dallas Cowboy, but that's a whole nother story. Now he yeah. wants okay, to now, yeah, okay. All right, but think about this. Think about productivity in Caleb's career. Three years in college football, he threw 93 touchdown passes to 14 interceptions. 93 to 14. Elite arm talent, elite playmaking, and yet he'll cowboy up. He'll try anything. He'll, he'll just try anything. He'll make something up almost every time. And yet... He doesn't turn the ball over at a high rate because 14 picks to 93 touchdowns is pretty great to me. So to me, on it factor playmaking, I'm going to take him over Justin Fields. I, I just think he's a better thrower of the football than Justin. He has a bigger arm than Justin. And I do. I do. And yet, can he move like, listen, Justin is an elite runner. I mean, he's like a running back of a runner where, where he, he was reminding me two years ago, it looked like Eric Dickerson out there. But Caleb can move, too. What, what I don't know is if the Bears told Caleb we're taking you one, would, would he try to pull an Eli Elway and, and try to just force his way out of town to Washington because he'd want to go home and play for the commanders? I, I don't know. Do you, but if, if he does that, that's you know, fine. The, yeah. Here's the problem. And I want everybody out there to stop saying Cliff Kingsbury coached Caleb last year. Cliff Kingsbury did not coach Caleb well, I mean, last this year. Guy named he Lincoln was standing Rodney? on the sideline, okay, talking to him. So stop saying he coached him because he did not coach him. Lincoln Riley coached him. He just him. did. But that's yeah. the truth. He's been that with Lincoln Riley better. for three damn years. Absolutely. I wish people stopped saying that. Now to your question. Yes. Yeah, he could certainly – I could see Carl, his dad, and, and Caleb saying that they don't want to go to Chicago and, and Chicago deciding that – we don't want to draft somebody that doesn't want to be here, and yep. therefore he falls into Cliff Kingsbury's lap. But here's what I would say. 
Those numbers that you ran off, all air raid quarterbacks got those numbers. All of them. You can go all the way, you can go all the way back to Tim Couch at Kentucky. Mm. Okay? And all the way to Minshew at Washington State and then some Mahomes at Mahomes. Texas and so it doesn't, those no. numbers don't, that doesn't mean anything to me. They already got an off-schedule quarterback in Chicago in Justin Fields. He yep. does the same thing, off-schedule plays. Yeah. He does the same thing. Now, is he as deadly accurate on off-schedule as Caleb? No, but they still got that same style. So my, my concern is giving up on Justin Fields now to hope and pray that you put Caleb in the right situation. Yeah. Quarterbacks got to be in the right situation, circumstances to right. survive okay. in the National Football League. Okay, man. but the Bears do it, have it, an opportunity. Go ahead, Richard. Go. They can be ruined. Yeah. They can be ruined. ruined. Can be you ruined. can get in the wrong situation. Man, bad offensive what? line, bad coordinator, no. and then people start talking about how, how you're a bust. Hey, let's in your move second off year. of Caleb in two and, years, see, Bryce. And let's yeah. move off of Caleb. And, and, yeah. and everybody's forgotten about him, no. you know, in two, three years. And you're like, Wait, what happened to that Caleb Williams? You're supposed to be an all-world next Patrick Mahomes. Okay. And now you're just a has-been because you went okay. to the wrong system. So, Keyshawn, you know this young man very well because you interviewed him in Columbus, Ohio. But there is this receiver at Ohio State, Marvin Harrison Jr. What if the Bears just sat still and said, we're going to give it. Justin what he needs. Yeah, we'll I'd give him it. the best receiver in the draft, maybe yeah. the best to I'd come along, I don't know, you since don't, yeah. I would do it. You don't have to be a quarterback to go number one. You no, don't. That's no. it. Oh, that, all that, you, know, you got to take a quarterback well, number one. you were one. the last one. You, you don't yeah. have to. Right? But this kid, this kid and Marvin Harrison Jr. is so special yeah. that why not? Okay. Why not? But, if, but at the end of the day, if you don't take him with the number one overall, you got to figure out how to move from your next spot got up it. to get him got it. if that's the case. All right. Up next, I've been waiting all morning for this one. Drewski joins us right here at this desk. Come on down. Is it a Drewski or a Brewski? <laughs> no mercy, no mercy, no mercy. We are joined now by a man you see all over television. Seems like he's in every other commercial. He's a comedian, he's an actor, he's a creator. He is Drewski. Uh, Man, he has collaborated in videos with Drake and Jack Harlow. He's open for J. Cole and Chris Brown, little baby. I, I feel like there must be two of you, like you're, you're everywhere, man. Mm -hmm. And welcome to Undisputed. Thank you all for having me, man. Yes, sir. I've been waiting to come up here. Good. Man. Why? You know, I was, I was trying to be a sportscaster he, when he I was in college. Up, he tried to be. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like you see, I say tried to be. He he wise. I was, but it but worked it, out. But it worked out. Yeah, it worked out. It I worked told out. Him. It worked yeah, out. He, he took the right path, man. Yeah. But he's got it in his blood. Yeah. So let's talk a little sports. Yeah. Let's talk a little Super Bowl. Are you intrigued by this matchup? Yes. Um, considering Purdy being like, you know, they said he came from being like a water boy, or uh, well, <laughs> yeah, you know, basically. yeah, basically being a water boy and then coming to where he's at now. <laughs> yeah. It's an amazing story. It's like an underdog story. But um, yeah, I got to go with Mahomes though, man. Yeah, yeah. that's my nickname. It is. Yeah, Drewski Mahomes. Drewski yep. <laughs> Mahomes. Gosh. Yeah. Where did that come from? Uh, strip club in Houston. <laughs> you said from the listen, what club? Strip club in Houston. Oh, okay. We're not going to talk about it. All. The dope. Okay. But just Same know. joint. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> Area 29. Man. Yeah. 
All right. Is that where you're from, Houston? No, nah, I'm not from Houston. I'm from Atlanta. Atlanta. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah All the yeah, way. Yeah. And you now live in Atlanta, yes. where you grew up. Yes. Did a little stint in L.A. Mm-hmm. And by the way, you do have an upcoming show, which yes. is Could Have Been Could House, have been house yes, which sir. you shot out here in L.A., mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. it's going to appear where, when? Uh, it will be on YouTube. So the first season will be on YouTube. We pretty much did this with our own money and, like, put all the contestants from Could Have Been Records, the label, and one house competing for $50,000. Mm. Okay. So, you know, we're giving our opportunity, brother. But yes. we ain't just giving it. Yeah. You got to earn it. All right. Yeah. So, so, so growing yeah. up, what was your favorite comedian growing up? Mm. It's a couple. It was a couple. I liked, uh, I liked uh, like Chris Farley, really? Will Ferrell, uh, Cedric the Entertainer. Um, okay. You know, like Eddie Murphy, Martin Lawrence, yeah. I wouldn't have guessed Chris Farley for you. Yeah, Chris Farley for sure, man. Beverly Hills Ninja, that was, Mm -hmm. man, that was one of the ones. So what what, what you, I'm going to ask you this just because I'm going to ask you. Yeah. What you think about all the little Cat Williams stuff? Oh, man. Boy, that's... I know, I'm I'm just asking you, man. Yeah, 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 nah. I'm just keeping it 100. I just want to know what you think. Hey, he's he's a crazy dude, man. That Cat Williams, hey, I don't... I don't know what they put in his water. But he was was there a lot of truth within the crazy, though? That, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, ain't, I ain't too deep in the game yet to know the truth of all that. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm a rookie out here, brother, so I don't know everybody's business yet. But, um, but yeah, no, nah, they say he ran that 40, and I seen him do it. So that's one thing I did believe after I seen him run that 40-yard dash <laughs> in that gym. <laughs> he almost tore ACL trying to do it, too. That, but I, I did enjoy seeing that, though. It's, that was pretty crazy. But do you think, though, being in, on the comedian side, mm-hmm. though, I don't care about all the other stuff. I'm talking right, about just right, from right. a comedian standpoint. Do you think there is some truth to sharing jokes, mm-hmm. so to speak? Mm-hmm. I think it's so, sometimes it may come off as if, because I did see the part where he said that um, Cedric had copied his entire joke, but I think we come from like these same areas of like, you know, yeah, where, for sure. yeah, so it's like we're all seeing the same stuff. I can stuff. fill in the blank exactly. all day long. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I don't know for sure if he did. He might have been inspired by it, though, for sure. Yeah, I think a lot of it's, us. It's a little bit of truth, yeah, because yeah. I've seen both of the jokes. Yeah, because because with Michael and I, even though he grew up, Michael Irvin, yeah. he grew up in, in the Florida area, Fort Lauderdale. Mm-hmm. I grew up in South Central L.A. Yeah. But it's the same. It's just two different yeah. states. But y'all seeing the same stuff. We seeing the same thing, yeah. man. We fighting yeah. for pillows yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and fighting to see who's going to get the last yeah. bowl of cereal. Yeah. We, we doing all those things. On so. the last bowl of cereal. Man, come on, man. Mm. Man, come on now. <laughs> if you ain't got no milk, you got to mix some water in there to thin it out to make yeah, it work. Man. I'm from the suburbs. I don't know. I, I try to. Brother, I, you know, I don't know too much. <laughs> so what is your strength as a comedian, do you feel like? Um... Like my physical comedy, I, you know, yeah. I, I grew up doing Taekwondo, so, and also playing football too, you know, um, but yeah, I'm very physical. I like to act out anything and everything that I'm doing. I'm, I'm big on like mannerisms, you know, I pay attention to a lot, man. They, they, uh, on Twitter, they've been calling me a, a sociologist. Mm. I don't know why they, I don't, you know, right. but they saying if I did study that, I would get yeah. a, a plus, you know? So when you open as a stand-up comic, mm-hmm. how scary is that to you, that, that, um, that you would yeah. connect with that audience? Yeah. yeah. Um, we, we, we tried that out on this tour last year. We, we went on a, um, a worldwide, tour, well, not worldwide, statewide tour in the U.S., and uh, I tried 10 minutes every, every show because it was a com- comedy show where we had, like, improv. Yeah. I did Could Have Been Records, but at the beginning, I was practicing doing, like, 10 minutes of stand-up at the beginning. But, it, yeah, it was it's definitely dope, and I think... 
it's not as easy as it looks. You know, a lot of people be like, man, if you funny, you just get out there, dude. You know, but it actually takes practice of, you know, messing up and, and yeah. fixing things, critiquing, you know. So, yeah, it, it was dope, though, to be able to get out there in front of, like, 40 different cities and see all the fans come out for me. It was amazing. So you're a Falcons and Hawks fan, or you don't really care? Nah, I don't care, man. I, I, like, I really like to watch, uh, like, individual players that I know. I enjoy watching, like, let's say I'm friends with LeBron James, I'll go watch LeBron James play. But you don't have no rooting interest for the Hawks or, or, or the Falcons? Uh, it's up in the air, brother. You know, like, Trey Young is a good friend of mine, so I, like, I, I hung out with Trey in the offseason. We was working out. We was hitting these sand dunes out here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, I'll go and watch him play, but I'm not a big fan of the teams, though. I'm never, I've never been, like, a team guy, you know? Yeah. Mm. yeah I mean, but I, I trained him to where he's at now. So if you want to talk Trey Young, I trained him to what he's yeah. doing. Uh-huh. You help him with his three-point shooting? Yeah, you know, well, not three-point shooting, but uh, his agility and his, uh, you know. I'm good. I'm big on that. Taekwondo, huh? Yeah, Taekwondo, man. Master Kim. Dude named Master Kim. Yeah? Yeah. What degree did you get to? Well, you know, I I got to black belt, but it was like, it's like the black belt with the white stripe. So it was like the beginner's level. And then I quit. Because once I got the black belt, they started talking about all this training and and physical stuff. I had to say, hey, I was in it to get the belt, bro. I was not in to do nothing else. Yeah. So after I got that, I, I quit. So would you say you're not to be messed with right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm ready at all times. What you think, <laughs> speaking of messed with, though, what you think about when people, you at your shows, mm-hmm. and they being disrespectful, and in, in hopping on the stage and throwing something at you, yeah. acting, yeah. you know, well, out of we character. Ain't, we, ain't, we ain't had that yet. We ain't had that yet. But We're I know what you see, yet. but you done seen some other people who had yeah, to yeah, face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when those obstacles come your way, yeah, yeah. You, is that the reason you put the Taekwondo out there mm-hmm. to let people know? I try to let people, I try to remind people. Hey, don't do it. Hey, I don't need to put hands on Yeah, you. yeah, I put, hey, I put balls on you. Don't do it. <laughs> hey, hey, I don't need the security. I got them with me, right? Mm. But I don't need it. Mm. So, you know. Yeah. Have you have you gotten any from your jokes? Have you gotten any backlash from people like, man, what the hell are you doing, dog? Yeah, yeah. I think, um, well, before the tour, a lot of people were just pushing me to do it, like, you know, just in general. Because, you know, in the comedy space, you aren't respected until you get out there on the stage, mm-hmm. you know? So I think it was more of that than it was more of, like, the critiquing of the actual jokes. It was more so mm-hmm. of, like, people just saying, oh, you ain't, you know, if you don't do it, you ain't you ain't nothing, you ain't nobody. So when we did the tour, it was, like, nothing else for nobody to say. It's like, yo, we did everything now. It's like, mm-hmm. yo. So, you know, we just still try to learn and, like, just keep going. And, you know, I got so much stuff I want to accomplish, man. I Forbes 30 for 30 this year, 30 under 30 this mm-hmm. year. So, yeah, it was... Yeah, I used it's been to an amazing go, year for sure. I used to go uh, when we were in high school. I used to go to Maverick Flats on Crenshaw. It was a it was a known Maverick like Flats. Maverick Flats is on Crenshaw, yeah. just past Stocker. So all the comedians you can think of out there roasting. Come. Oh, everybody, all the way from Chris Tucker to yeah. you you name them all. They used yeah. to just in small little ghetto spot. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, we used to all go there on Friday or Saturday night before Chris Tucker. This is, yeah, this is before. This is all, okay, this yeah. is doing like the, the early Friday days. Yeah. They, you know, they yeah. make it $1,500 just to appear, yeah. that type of stuff. But all of them, all, a whole bunch of them uh, would come and, and, you know, it was pretty interesting. You know? yeah. it was yeah. So are you going Chiefs in the Super Bowl? Oh, definitely. Yeah. They don't call me Drewski Mahomes for nothing. Bro. Okay. Yeah, right. I got I to go, uh, go Chiefs for sure. You know, they, um, they've been playing a good, bro, they've been putting, this whole season, they've been an amazing team. But I think, it's almost like, even in the last game, I thought for sure that Lamar and them was going to pull it off until so I seen the play. Yeah, I know. I yep. know. I know. 
Yeah, I know. Man. Yeah. So much for that. Yeah. Are you going out there? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely going out to Vegas for sure, man. I got to they, they put me in some suite out there. I got to be there in attendance. All right. Know. Wind it up with a quick thought on the Lakers. You do know LeBron. What, what, what's their fate this year? Do you think they can contend? About him being traded? No, no. Can they win the West? Can they get back in sync? And- uh, yeah, I think for sure, man. I think he just has to take control because that coach, I don't know what that coach doing. Ain't nobody <laughs> even listening to that dude. They walk there mornings they, they, we don't yeah, know either. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, I've seen the whole bench get up and walk while the coach was talking. He was still breaking down the plays. <laughs> so I don't. Yeah, LeBron needed to just become the coach. The coach. The rest of the season. Yeah, I, I would like. Yeah. I've, I've told Keyshawn I'd like to see him be the player coach. Yeah, I, I just play basketball, man. Yeah, lead, man. lead a coach into somebody else. <laughs> play basketball. Hey, we appreciate you. Thank you, man. Pleasure to appreciate have you, y'all. and uh, God bless you and all that you do. Thank you, man. All Thank right, y'all. way to go. Gang, gang. Up next, now hold on just a second. Speaking of the Chiefs, have they become the villainous Belichick Brady Patriots already? What? No mercy, no mercy, no mercy. Back down. In an ESPN interview, Patrick Mahomes was asked about the Chiefs being the new NFL villains, the new Brady Belichick Patriots. Mahomes said, I I never felt like a villain because I've never been like that my entire life. But it's become a little bit funny. I I don't want to say you enjoy it. I know the Patriots had that for a while. Keyshawn, your reaction to the Chiefs being hailed now as the new NFL villain. I I don't know if you remember or not, Skip, but just last week I just said on our show this is what was going to happen based on the Justin Tuck situation in terms of him standing in the way and trying to antagonize the situation that there are, people, there are going to be people that feel a certain way about a team that continues to keep winning in the Kansas City Chiefs in the quarterback of Patrick Mahomes. And there's a difference because Andy Reid is a little more, I would say, likable to the palates of those like you, Skip, opposed to Bill Belichick. So Tom Brady became a real, like, villain because Tom Brady, you know, he would antagonize situations along the way. Plus, he was caught up in deflate gate. You know, all of those sort of things. And, and he had the tit for tat back and forth with the NFL about the flake gate and yep. who's hiding balls and who's trying to mm-hmm. do certain things. Patrick Mahomes and them organically kind of just, because they win so much, morphed into this villain uh, of the National Football League, right? There's just, there's just this disdain for teams that are successful for long periods of time. And Hey, is, I'm with him. I'm like, whatever. At the end of the day, you've got to stop them, beat them, and show them that they're not the bullies on the block. And so far, in six years, people haven't been able to do that. Yeah, Joe Burrow beat them, but they wind up losing the Super Bowl. Yeah. And then they wind up going right back to the Super Bowl and winning it. So it's like, you know, they're, they're in this New England Patriot kind of atmosphere but at the same time, they, they don't come with the same sort of, I don't know, New England Patriot feeling. Yeah. Because one, up in New England, people already have a problem with the Boston area yeah. for all the obvious reasons. Yes. Then on top of that, you had the Spygate situation, and then you had the Flategate, and then you had this, we're better than everybody, we win a lot. So it was all these problems, but I think... As Patrick Mahomes continue to keep putting that hardware out there, people are going to start to continue to dislike them more and more and more and more, especially around the NFL. 
Yeah, I don't. I, I think it's weird um, because they 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 don't have that kind of aura. You know, the Patriots, the Patriot way, the Spy Gate, the Deflate Gate. You know, the the Bill Belichick, the way he answers questions in the media, the way he's cold towards everybody, the 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 way their team was perceived, the way their organization was perceived was cold. The Empire, the you know. There, there's Emperor Palpatine that, that is running the show. You know, you don't see that out of the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, uh, you, you see Andy Reid is very warm and welcoming. Um, it, it Patrick Mahomes is pretty likable. You don't have the controversy behind. The most controversial thing about the organization is the tra- Taylor Swift thing, and that's not controversial at all. No. You know, so you don't hear about deflate gate or cheating mm-hmm. or them filming practices or, or doing anything that is not on the up and up. Uh, at least we haven't thus far. So I don't think it's seen in the same way. I think if you see them as villains, it's just just being a natural hater. You know, you just don't, you know, most people aren't winners in this world. Most people are losers. You know, there are more losers than winners, unfortunately, in this world. So people get mad at people that win consistently. And so, you know, you, you just hate because you're like, man, I wish I was winning consistently. And that's the unfortunate part of the world we live in. I could understand the Patriots way and them kind of getting that rep based on some of the things that transpired and the way Bill Belichick has been and kind of how they are. You know, they, I, I think they embrace that. I really don't see that out of Kansas City Chiefs. You know, I, I see a team that has a, has a bunch of likable guys. They got a likable coach. They got a likable quarterback. Um, so if you see them as villains, it's simply because they're winning and, and yeah. have been consistent in the last decade. And, and if that's the case, then what, what, what kind of world are we in where you just you think winners are know. villains because they win? Good question. So I'm with Richard on this, Keyshawn, because I, I am lost on all the above, except for they win. They keep getting back and getting back and getting back to the Super Bowl. But Patrick Mahomes, I don't know him, but he comes across as a pretty likable young man. You know, he says and does all the right things for the most part. And Andy Reid is the all-time nicest nice guy coach that ever came down the pike right i mean he just he is as beloved as any coach i can ever remember he is the complete flip side to me of bill belichick no scandals as you guys point out there's no spy gate which was really bad there's no deflate gate which was arguably bad but nobody could ever quite pin it down but, Bill, there's no on to Cincinnati. There's no smug. There's no condescending. I, I don't know. What, what, what's to hate about this group except that they're in the Super Bowl again, if, unless you, you have burnout factor on Kansas City. But think about it, though, Skip. I alluded to this a week ago. You did. This I, is going to happen. Yeah, it's, it's become it, it, a narrative, a theme. It's a na- because yeah. in the minds of people, you know, when you get delusional, you're, you know, you're a delusional guy when it comes to the Cowboys. When you get delusional, you can't change yeah. one's mind on how they think about something. And people think, I don't want to like the Kansas City Chiefs. They're, they'll make up in their mind whatever it is yeah. to dislike the Kansas City Chiefs. That's just the world that we live in, it, right? They'll say, Patrick, they'll start to... Talk about Patrick's home's wife is hanging out with Taylor Swift. Why did she get to hang out with her? I mean, you're going to get all of that hate, Skip. That's just what people are. Comment as they were leaving the other. There you go. You see what I'm saying? There you go. Yeah. But that's but that's just like a sheep mentality, you know. And if that's that's hey hey we're we're all sheep we're we're together so you know I mean look at look at them and and we're they're not like us so so let's let's be mad at them and call them villains. The final point here is 
It's not like uh, the Chiefs are 10-point uh, favorites in this game. They're, they're underdogs by two and a half points. So it's not like they're prohibitive favorites and they're going to roll again in the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, the league wants – the yeah. next thing, the league wants Kansas City. Richard will be doing that on Sunday. See, the league wants the Chiefs yeah. to win. That's why they threw the flag. All right, up next, Clay Thompson benched again down the stretch. Oof. No mercy, no mercy, no mercy. Ball back down. Clay Thompson benched again down the stretch of a Warriors game. Steve Kerr said, it's not easy for a Hall of Fame player to deal with the injuries. It's never easy for any player getting older. But he's mentally tough. Keyshawn, how sad is this to see? Well, look, can he bounce back from this? Probably. Will he? I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough to watch because I know Clay personally. I worked with his dad for a Did number you? of years in, yeah. here in L.A. Yeah. It's just it's hard to see, especially it's in a contract year. Oh, man. I mean, I think he's pressing a little bit, though, Richard. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think he's pressing, <clears throat> but I also think he can get out of it. I think he's a, he's a mentally strong player, as Steve yeah. Kerr said. He's a guy that has been playing at a high level for majority of his career. He'll find a way to bounce back. This is just an unfortunate chapter in the story, but I don't think it's the end of it. I don't either, but when you go through the Achilles and you have the ACL and all of a sudden you're losing your three-point touch, at least for the moment, it's just so hard to watch because he's such a good guy and he's been such a great, unsung, underrated player for them. So, so crucial to what they were. And look at them now. They're struggling. All great things. That's it for today's Undisputed. We're back tomorrow at 9.30 Eastern. And I can't wait.